This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. This is Mike, and you can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic via genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at ObsessiveViewer.com, and subscribe to the subreddit at r slash ObsessiveViewer. Also, help support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. We have some rewards for uh, different tiers of um, uh, p- patrons on the site. And you can also uh, follow me and Tiny on Letterboxd at uh, obsessiveviewer and obsessive tiny on there. So, um, before we get started, and <laughs> before we get started, there is somewhat of an announcement that uh like that's tangentially related to obsessive viewer that uh i would like to bring up um in the obsessive viewer family here there's been a big life-changing change that's happened uh a lot of responsibility and uh a lot of stuff is uh a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes a big a big change and uh i just wanted to make the formal announcement that i got a cat recently (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's a lot of uh, responsibility, and it's a it's a big a big uh, life changing thing. So, Mike, what and it's you- going to be cute for like one more month. Oh yeah, totally. Oh yeah, yeah. So, Mike, what have you been up to lately? <laughs> <laughs> chilling, man. <laughs> just chilling. No, we also got a cat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'd never get a cat, but we're gonna have a baby. Yeah, in real life. I'm Mike gonna is gonna be a dad. I'm gonna be the obsessive dad. Yes, which is really cool. I, mm. I mean, for so many reasons, I'm excited. But I, but I think uh, to keep it interesting to our listeners, um, I I remember a couple years ago when we when we had um my friend, our friend, really, uh, Robbie Helms on the show. Yeah, and he kind of spoke from the perspective of of a young dad uh watching movies with his uh very young daughter and we kind of did that Pixar episode. So I'm I'm ex- I'm nervous obviously. I am not delusional enough to think that I'll be able to watch as many movies as I would like. <laughs> um but I am excited for as the years go on to kind of see like how um my movie watching habits will kind of shift and the types of things I'll watch to start out with and then later on the types of movies I'll show to a kid and so um, I think it'll be a, a, a fun and wild experiment. It's yeah. And, and yeah, totally. I'm, I'm super excited. I could not be more excited for you guys. Thanks um, man. Yeah. Thank you. We yeah. It's, a, it's exciting. It's really cool. Could have a fourth host in like nine or 10 years. Yes, yes for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. And I might, you know what? I'll just go ahead and I'll go ahead and do this. Uh, I will watch all of parenthood by the time the baby is born. Yeah. That's Ooh. my, oh, man, you yeah. really, you should anyway. It's weird that you bring that up. Uh, well, I guess it's not that it. weird. My brother texted <laughs> me this morning and said that he just finished Parenthood. Nice. Because the final season is now on Netflix. That's why it was so fresh in my mind. I saw that the uh, final season. Uh huh. Yeah, and uh, and it, it's just so good. And he and his fiance and and my mom are are just kind of all watching it over again together. Nice. Like they're starting over. He just finished it, and they're gonna watch it together. So that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, that's yeah. my pledge to you. It's uh, it's well, thank you. You don't yeah. you don't have to do that. Oh, I, I... oh, you shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to. You're going to be your your entire life is going to change. And my my uh, my con- contribution to to uh, 
to to you, my present to you is that I'm going to watch a fucking TV show. <laughs> I love it. That's yeah. awesome. Perfect. Yeah. It's just what I wanted. Awesome. Um, it's just my size. <laughs> so, but today is a big, big day for the obsessive viewer. It's our yearly uh, year in review episode. This is one that we always say this. I look forward to it every year. It's it's amazing. It's it's one. Heck of the, yeah! If there yeah. are three important episodes a year, I would say it's like the kickoff of Shocktober. Mm-hmm. This one. And then, like, if we do a vault episode, I think yeah. those are the three best. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Agreed. And so I, I always look. I mean, I look forward to the end of the year and talking about movies anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I like so much now is that we get we have this outlet to kind of just um, jerk ourselves off about, <laughs> about the movies we watch for right. <laughs> however long it takes. And I don't know. I'm excited. I always get excited about this. Totally. Me too. And it's I've said this before, but one of my favorite things to do at the end of at the beginning of every year it's like new year's day if i'm working it means that at, at my job i just don't have really anything to do so i just spend the entire shift just compiling all my notes and everything and doing all the stats and everything so that's basically my new year's day for the last few years has been just com- compiling a big ass document uh that's all the that's all of this and uh it's a, it's a lot of fun it's it's weirdly a, a lot of fun um and I was able to do it kind of under the wire here. <laughs> I kind of got down to the wire with this one. But anyway, so this is a – usually we talk about a specific topic and everything, but this this is just our full-on review. I have stats and everything for, for my for my viewing, and we're going to run through our top ten and bottom ten and honorable mentions, all that stuff. Um, so is there any other – anything else we need to get, get – uh, talk about, or should we just dive right into it? Let's do it. Dive no in. more delay. Awesome. Head first. Yes. So, stats. I know that uh, you guys have been a little bit under the gun in terms of timing, so I'm not sure how many stats, how much stats you guys have. Um, I, well, I will say yeah. I, I did write down um, just kind of briefly, and before we did this, I even said, "Guys, I'm not. I'm. I'm in no shape to talk about my stats." Right. But uh, I will say, as far as theater viewings are concerned, when I watched uh, 62 movies in theaters. Nice. Yeah, which which is not uh, it's not bad. I mean, 62 is a lot. I'm 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 proud of that, of course. Um, I I'm sure that I saw more last year, but it's also not a surprise. I see a movie a week, so mm-hmm. I, I didn't <laughs> I didn't really have to work all that hard to get it in. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. My goal is always 70. My, the goal is, is still 70. We'll see uh, with a little baby child if that'll still right. out. But Have you ever yeah. reached 70? No, I never have. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, Tiny, do you have any stats or anything? I did. Uh, I, I did most of the regular ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I had total viewings, total uh, 103. Which pales in comparison oh, to yeah. last year. Not even a third of what I watched last year. Um, last year I did 366. This year I did 103. So vastly different. That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think last year I had like, I want to say I had 28 theater viewings. So this year I, I think had, so. This year I had 26. So That's not bad. That was, I was, I was happy with that. There was a lot of theater viewings. So that's good. Nice. Uh, 67 of those were first viewings. Um which is pretty. That's about on par as far as the ratio. 
total viewings versus first viewings, it's usually about two thirds to mm. three quarters, and that's about two thirds. Um, however, this statistic dropped off a lot. Nineteen of my viewings were from my DVD or Blu-ray collection. Interesting. Uh, only nineteen out of one hundred and three. Uh, that's that's not very many. Usually, I like that's why I collect DVDs and Blu-rays to rewatch right. them. Um, and I I did very little of that. I had kind um, of a similar thing. I don't have my stats for that offhand right now, but I like I noticed a very steep drop in that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wow. me too. I mean, six of those were Star Wars too. So right. Yeah. Um, and I've got some other. My other stuff is all about like best and worst and. Okay, we can get to like that, that later. We'll get to that later. Yeah. So I have I have plenty of stats and everything, so I'll run through these as quickly as I can. Um, total viewings for the year, I had two hundred and thirty. Nice. Which uh, the current record for me is three twenty five back in twenty thirteen. So I, it's not really anything to write home about. But my to- total number of viewings, which again was two thirty, is a decrease of. <laughs> okay, this is where I'm going to get super like yeah super nerdy and. All that. So anyway, my total number of viewings, which was 230, is a decrease of 12.548% from last year's uh, 263. Uh, This year's total viewings were uh, 0.8% below my average of 244. Uh, And then out of that 230, the amount of movies that I had, so the the amount of movies that I had, which uh, basically means, you know, all accounting for all the repeat viewings and everything, uh, total movies, individual movies, was 210. Mm. which was a decrease of 10% from last year's 234. Um, and it's about 0.1, 0.1% below my average of 212. Of those 230 viewings, 138 were first viewings, which I'm pretty proud of. Um, That's good. Yeah, current record for, for first viewings is 153, which again was in 2013. Uh that 138 first viewings is an increase of 11% from last year's 124. Uh, this year's first viewings were 4.8% above my average of 104, so that's good. And uh, first viewings made up 60% of my total viewings in 2015, so I'm pretty happy with that. Nice. Um, and then, you know, I, okay. I sorry to. Oh no, you're fine. Um, in the middle of your in, of your thing, but um, kind of. To, to pair what you're telling me and kind of what Tiny has said, I think I just made up in my head right now. One of my resolutions is going to be to watch more from my collection. Interesting. You know, you're talking about first viewings, and, and mm-hmm. yeah, of course, I think first viewings are important, and I, I'm always about watching as many as possible. But also as as kind of a collector and a lover of movies, I I hate that I have this wall of movies that, goes relatively untouched throughout the year. I mean, I I haven't done these stats and and maybe I'll get back to you and I'll make a post about it, but mm-hmm. man, I got to say it's less than 30 collection viewings this year. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Um, Which is shockingly low. It is. Yeah. It is. And one of the things that I'll I I should mention is that of all those viewings that I had that were movies that I'd seen before, Maybe a handful of them were movies that I had in my collection, but I was just too lazy to get the disc out, so I watched <laughs> it on Netflix or something. Um, like, yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's still staggeringly low. And I think that it's more the um, the increasing presence of streaming options and things like that that's kind of doing that for me. It's like, it's it's I can just watch something new and pop, oh, yeah, yeah, pop it on Netflix or HBO Go or Hulu or Amazon because I have all of that. 
Um, so yeah, so that's something that uh, it'll be interesting. I'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk more about that later, I think. Um, and then my final stat for movies watch like this, I still have theater stats and bear with me. It's almost over. Um, <laughs> of those, uh, 230 viewings I had, uh, 75 of them were movies that came out in 2015. Um, which is an increase of 59% from last year's 47. And, uh, yeah. And movies watched in their year of release made up 32.61% of my total viewings in 2015, which I'm really, I'm really proud of. And I'm hoping that that, uh, that number increases this year. And then finally for, for my stats, I have theater viewings. Um, I have my total theater viewings and Mike, I, uh, I guess I apologize is uh, 71 theater viewings in 2015. Wow. Yeah. No, don't apologize. That's awesome. Good for you. <laughs> right? And uh, my theater viewings accounted for 30. 80, 30.87% of my total viewings in 2015. And it was a... Now, does that include... Let me... And, and this is really just um, getting into specifics, but does that include, like, you know, you, you went to a lot of film festivals yeah. this year? And I'll I'll get to that. It's it's basically any screening of a feature length film that was viewed in a in a theater, basically. Okay, gotcha. Um, so uh, that seventy one that seventy one theater viewings was a forty two percent increase from last year's fifty. So I'm very happy with that. And uh, as Mike mentioned, I did go to a couple of film festivals this year, and I have stats for that. Uh, total film festival screenings for 2015 was 31 which was uh, 43.66% of my theater viewings. And then breaking that down, uh, 25 of those 31 were for Heartland Film Festival, which was uh, 35.21% of total theater viewings. And uh, the other film festival I went to was Indie Film Fest, which was uh, six and was 8.45% of theater viewings. (sighs) And then further down um, four of those uh screenings was uh, four of those theater viewings were advanced screenings like uh, on like gofobo or advanced screenings.net or whatever uh you get passes and you just go and get there early and then be one of the ones that is admitted in and you get to see a movie for free a week or two before it's released so four of those were for that for advanced screenings and that's accounts for 5.634 percent of theater viewings and then finally um (laughs) Uh, seven of those uh, 71 theater viewings were movie pass, which I referenced in uh, the uh, our bonus episode with Fekus last uh, the week before last, um, OV 147, I believe. So um, movie pass, I ha- <laughs> that's seven seven viewings for movie pass, which is 9.86 percent of theater viewings. And to put that into further context, I joined movie pass. Um, I I went ahead and I I had. I found myself in a position that I was able to afford to buy a year's worth of movie pass. Um, so I went ahead and did that. And those seven screenings were within the first 14 days of having the account. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Yeah. And I, uh, I've, I've spent, um, or I've, I've, I've gone to the, okay. So, so movie pass and Mike, so how familiar are, are you with movie pass, Mike? <clears throat> only vaguely is that the thing where like you pay a, a a rate like a monthly or a yearly fee and you can just go to as many movies as you want pretty much yes it's basically so i, I looked into that and mm-hmm. i know that our friend pat uh got into that um because his friend convinced him yeah but i i could have sworn when i looked into it none of the theaters that are around here were eligible for it 
Well, that's one thing that's that was a big sticking point for me. Like I looked it up, and and it, all the theaters that I'm that I go to is are uh, are eligible for it, um, except for Keystone Art. But um, but yeah, and in to Pat from the Nerds You're Looking For, he was convinced to join by both me and Tyler, his co-host, uh-huh. who, by the way, I should mention that I was recently on uh, their latest episode of their podcast, uh, talking about our top ten favorite 2015 films. So check that out at thenerdspodcast.com. Um, but basically, so Tyler has had it for a long time and he swears by it. So basically what MoviePass is, is you pay up here, it's $35 here in Indianapolis. Um, but I think down in Evansville, it's 30. It changes. It varies between 30 and 35 for whatever reason, uh, mm-hmm. given the area. So for $30 a month, you get to see one movie per 24 hours. And there's the only restrictions on those is that you can't see 3d or IMAX. Um, okay. So there's not, although I did notice that Star Wars seems eligible, uh, if I check in at the IMAX, but I, I, yeah, so I don't know. But, um, but yeah, so other than that, there's not like, uh, The Revenant is coming out this weekend. And I, I'm, if there's a, if there's a Thursday night screening at 8 p.m., the first screening of The Revenant, I can go to it with no problem. Um, sweet. Yeah. And it's basically, they give you a, they give you a MasterCard. With your name printed on and everything, it's just it works just like a debit card. Um, and you go to the theater, you check in on your phone, go in, and you use that card to buy the ticket, and you're set. And it's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. And so that's why I said that I'm hoping to see a lot of uh, 2016 movies this year because I have, like I said, I have a year's worth of it, and I'm just going to see as many, pretty much any any anything I want, basically. Um, and if I'm bored, things that I don't want to see, really. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and in those two weeks that I had it before the stats came out and everything, um, to put it into perspective, and granted, this is a little skewed because these are these are all movies that I was in a hurry to get to watch before the end of the year, and these were all like uh, like awards movies that I wanted to see. So there is like like obviously here we're going to be in the doldrums of the movie industry of releases that aren't going to be that memorable or worth seeing really. But in right. those two weeks that I got to see seven movies, I saw sixty two sixty two dollars worth of movies in two weeks for something that cost thirty five dollars per month. Nice, so, not bad. Yeah, so it's. So I think that Mike, you would get a lot of use out of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah for sure. I just don't know which. I mean, I could have sworn I looked into it and that we were not eligible here, but I'll look again. Yeah, they may have added stuff. things. Change, yeah. yeah. Can yeah. you buy a second ticket? Uh, no, you, you can only buy one ticket per twenty-four hours. Okay, so, but yeah, nice. But it's really cool. It's really cool. Um, so anyway, so that's, those are my stats for the year. I'm, I'm pretty happy with all of them. Um, obviously I didn't have a 2013 year, um, cause 2013 was pretty much my best year. Um, but I'm hoping that this year will be really good. Um, so are we good with that or should, should we move on? <clears throat> yeah, let's yeah. move on. Okay. So I have next on here, uh, movies we missed. Do you guys have like a list of that ready or do you have like off the top of your head? I do. Yeah. Not. No. Okay, that's fine. Uh, I have a list of like 15 that I missed. I can, I'll can i just run through them really quickly. This is to kind of give context for at least my top 10 and honorable mentions and, and worse stuff because some of these movies, you know, could potentially be on them. So movies that I missed are Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Carol, Concussion, Crimson Peak, Everest, The Final Girls, The Gift, Goosebumps, 
Um, Mr. Holmes, The Overnight, uh, The Revenant, which doesn't come out wide release until this weekend. Uh, Spectre, which I'm really bummed I didn't get to see Spectre because I was. Don't be. I, I, I heard, I yeah, heard negative be. things, but I've, I've, I don't know. I just feel like I, I, I really wanted to see it just, just to see. I it. almost had it on my worst movies. Oh, wow. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and to round that out, I had, I missed out on Tomorrowland and The Walk, uh, which is weird because The Walk was one of like my, one of my most anticipated movies for the year. Yeah, that was, um, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, what yeah. happened was I, I didn't get a chance to see it in the theater. Like I, it just, I didn't get around to it. And then it just, I think it just recently hit like VOD and stuff. And then I'm, I'm just like, I'm not in a hurry to see it because I feel like the experience would have been to see it in the theater and. Yeah, uh, I kind of want to put some distance, I guess. Hmm. And frankly, at the end of the year, there was there were more movies that I wanted to see that make a priority. Um, right. So yeah. So, do you guys have any? Uh, I do. I have a I have a whole list as well. Nice. Um, and I want to specify that these are movies that I think, just based on who's involved, how they look, what I know about them, I think these all could have the potential to be on my top ten. So that's that's why I'm especially sad I missed out on these for right. this year. Yeah. Um, there are nine of them. <laughs> uh, the first one is The Hateful Eight. Didn't get to see that. Uh, the Danish Girl, which I thought looked very interesting. Uh, the Revenant, Inside Out, uh, The Walk, Room, Love and Mercy, uh, Beasts of No Nation, and The Big Short. So I unfortunately missed out on all those. Um, mm-hmm. No excuse. Right. I... Uh... I think here in two weeks, I think we're going to do an extended potpourri. Um, uh-huh. and I'm going to bring up several of those. Are you? Okay. Yeah. Just because they didn't make any of my lists and they'll okay. be worth talking about. So that'll yeah. be interesting. Nice. Um, Mike, do you have any or not? You know, um, I think we'll get to those kind of as we go through. Okay. Like if you guys bring it up, I'll, I'll try to. And some of those that you said I saw, I, uh, tragedy struck my family, uh, over break and I lost my, my little notebooks. So, Ooh. Um, oh, a lot of those kinds of things are, I, I don't know where they are. Wow. I'm a little upset about it. Damn. You mean that's the only, that's the only, that's the only tragedy, right? That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yo, that's, that's terrible. I, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I wasn't sure if you were like, I, I don't know. I'm anyway. I couldn't, I couldn't. No, I, the, you're, you, uh, you, you were right to be confused. That was a weird <laughs> thing of me to do. No, no, you're fine. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So next up, we're gonna do honorable mentions for. So these are the movies that uh, were close to making our almost. cut. Yes, almost, almost there. So why don't you guys? Why don't you guys go ahead and I'll, I'll go last. Um, uh, Tiny, why don't you go? Or no, let's let's go, Mike, because he didn't have any for. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so here are my honorable mentions in order of most honorable, I guess I'll say. Right. So like this would be number eleven. Right. Uh, Southpaw is the first one, and I think until Creed came out, Southpaw was on my top ten list. Um. I guess I'm just a sucker for boxing movies and I'm of course a sucker for Jake Gyllenhaal, but, um, I, honorable mentions are always weird. Cause it's like, do we talk about how awesome they are or do we talk about what made them not a top 10? You know what I mean? It's like, right. I don't right. really want to go over the things I didn't like or the things that didn't make it because it really was just a great movie. It's just that there were 10 better movies. So, right. um, 
high recommend could have been really close. I actually didn't get it around to seeing that. That should have made my list on the last segment. So uh, yeah, that's like the one movie on your best of list and uh, honorable mentions that I didn't see. Gotcha. Well, yeah, it, it's good. Check it out for sure. I'll make it a problem. Um, my next one would be The Martian. Uh, and The Martian is definitely on my honorable mention. I, it wasn't even ever on my top 10. And I almost feel like it's on The Martian or it's on my list, honorable mentions, because I feel like it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to like sci-fi. I'm supposed to like everything about it. But something about The Martian just... I I left the theater and I went, you know, that was really fun. And if I never see it again, that would kind of be okay. I, I I mean, I recognize that it was great. I get that a lot of people like it. And I, and I thought it was really funny. And I liked that it was kind of a heavy, interesting sci-fi, but also pretty light and, and funny at times. I thought Matt Damon was great. Most of the supporting cast was really fun to look at, but... Just something about The Martian and me just did not click the way I think it was supposed to. So it's it's off my list. You know, that's really interesting because uh, you weren't you weren't on for our episode about it. So this is the first I think this might be the first time uh-huh, we're really yeah. talking about it on the air with you, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. That's very interesting. That's a shame. But, you know, to each their own. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, my next one would be Steve Jobs. Mm. Which which has all of you know my when I first started to write the honorable mention for that I wrote that uh, I think that what detracts uh, me from the movie is the the fiction aspect but then I thought about how much I loved uh, uh, the Social Network which is the <laughs> same it's the same amount of fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but something about it just rang particularly untrue. Um, and I don't know. I, I think it's a really great movie, and I think a lot of people are going to remember it for a while, and I think it deserves to be that. But, uh, um, again, something about it just didn't click. I also, and and I don't know how much we should do this, but personal anecdote, that's also the day my wife told me she was pregnant was when we saw Steve Jobs, so I really had other things on my mind. <laughs> Oh, wow. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, Interesting. My next honorable mention is going to be actually No Escape with Owen Wilson. Oh, nice. Yeah. Did you guys see this movie? I I saw it, and uh, I talked about it in It was really crapped on by critics. It really was. It was not appreciated. Um, No, it wasn't appreciated. And I think a little semi-xenophobic, a little semi-racist. A little bit, yeah. But gosh, if it wasn't a fun time and <laughs> and if the point was to be on the edge of your seat the whole time, mm. holy Jesus, I was on the edge of my seat every second of that movie. Absolutely. I'm so it glad did. to hear that. Yeah, it was it was really fun. Definitely an honorable mention. And yeah. I, and I think it's the type of, you know, it's a it's a it's a Sunday afternoon action movie that you would like watch with your dad or something like that and be super psyched about. It's not. Nobody's going to be talking about it forever, but when it comes up on WGN, you're going to sit down and watch No Escape. Totally. Like, I, it didn't make any of my lists or anything, but I did really appreciate it. I rated it a 7.0. I wrote a review of it on the site, and I, I really, I really dug it. Um, it's worth mentioning. I mentioned this on the episode, whichever episode it was that that I mentioned it. I mentioned it in a potpourri episode or in a potpourri segment. But anyway, um, when I saw it, I saw it at one of those advanced screenings, and, uh, Toward the end of the movie, there's a very big, like, 
dramatic, um, climactic, uh, tense scene that's like, it's really, really gripping. And at this moment, uh, a f- whole family got up and left. <laughs> Um, what <laughs> yeah i was like in like a whole family and like they were like little kids and i'm like why would you bring little kids to this movie and, yeah well that's a that's another problem yeah. altogether. but and why did but, you wait until this moment to decide to leave <laughs> yeah 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 but yeah i thought that i mean i, I it kind of came and went and i i really enjoyed it i kind of wish it would have gotten more uh it, there's the scene and i and i think it's in the trailer if not here comes a spoiler so give me about 30 seconds but uh where he like has to toss his daughters across uh uh two buildings yeah and there's you know the chasm below i mean we just cackled we we laughed so hard (laughs) at that scene because it's ridiculous because but also because it was super entertaining yeah oh yeah Where like i laughed and i'm like oh my god that's stupid this movie's awesome (laughs) So right. whatever, critics be damned. I, I I had a blast in that movie. Totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. Um, um. So yeah, what's my, your last one? My last honorable mention. Uh, I'm sure is going to turn some heads, and I and I I know people are going to have a problem with this. So uh, I, I really would like to talk about it. Uh, it's Jupiter ascending. And so I, I, in my little write-up thing, my first sentence is, let me be clear, in no way was this one of the best movies of the year. In fact, it was probably one of the worst. L- please know that I understand that about Jupiter Ascending. It was one of the worst. Poorly, poorly made. Um, but I also think that the studio, Warner Brothers, gave the Wachowskis uh, one shot. But they had this idea for a three-movie sprawling epic, but they only got their one. They got two and a half hours to do it all. Um, and they built a world. They built some characters. They had some weird, fun, new ideas that we've never seen before. And movies like that just don't get made anymore. They're all sequels. They're all uh, Star Wars. They're all just like something else. Or they're fantasy. Or they're dystopian novels, right? Mm-hmm. Movies like Jupiter Ascending don't get made. So I'm not saying that I want to honorably mention Jupiter Ascending as one of the best, but I want to honorably mention the attempt. I want to honorably mention Warner Brothers for giving them at least this one chance because more movies like Jupiter Ascending need to be attempted. And if there's five of them and we get one good one, that's pretty cool. I uh I see your point. <laughs> and I, I respect it and everything. I just I I just didn't like the movie. I mean and I totally understand where you're coming from and everything, but I yeah, I, I will say that I did see a uh, a best of list that included it in their honorable mentions online. So yeah. you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I can respect the opinion too, because we, we actually did a review of that um in one of our past episodes. It was me, Matt and Fekus, and of the three of us, I think I liked it the most. Mm-hmm. Or I hated it the least would probably be the better way to say it. Right. Um, I, yeah, I, I didn't hate it. I thought it was okay. I think, I think, kind of like you said, Mike, it 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 was a world designed to be explored in three films, but they had to cram it all into mm-hmm. two and a half hours. So you can understand some of the sh- some of the shortcomings there. Um, so I yeah, I I thought it was. I didn't think it was that great, but I like your enthusiasm. Right. And uh, our that Thanks. episode was episode ninety seven of the podcast. Ninety seven. Okay. It. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, to each their own. I respect that. Um, yep. Yeah. 
and that's your honorable mentions. Tiny, what about yours? Yes, uh, I have six, um, yes. and they are in no particular order. It's not 11 through 16 or whatever. Sure. Um, uh, the first one is Kingsman, The Secret Service. Uh, I like the movie a lot. I gave it a, a high score and, and spoke highly of it. Um, was just wasn't quite good enough to make the top 10. Um, I, I can't think of anything I'd replace it with on my top 10. Um, but it was, it was a cool, fun kind of spy movie that didn't take itself too seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, I think most spy movies take themselves too seriously. Uh, and this one was fun. It was lighthearted and, uh, the action was cool. Uh, it was really impressive to see a pretty much unknown actor be the lead in a movie mm -hmm. with, with with an actor like uh um oh gosh why can't i think of his name Colin Firth, Colin Firth. I was going to I was going to say the kid's name but i yeah. can't remember his name something edger <laughs> um i loved i loved his scenes with Colin Firth um, yeah. and, and i was impressed with his ability to keep up with those guys and he did a really good job and i think uh Matt Vaughn is just a he, i love I love watching his movies i think he's gotten a bit repetitive um, I think he should branch out and do something else. Um, but if he's going to keep making stuff like this, I really can't complain. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's Kingsman. Uh, the next one is Wildlike, which nice. is a movie we saw uh, at the Indie Film Fest. It was mm -hmm. the closing movie, wasn't it? Yes, it was. The closing movie. Yeah, we went and saw that in the theater. Um, I really loved the simplicity of of wildlife it was it was kind of noirish and that we follow this one character all the way through the full 90 minutes if you will mm -hmm. um but along the way she picks up these very unique and and kind of uh kind of tragic characters in their own way um uh, i'm a big sucker for bruce greenwood as well i, oh, I think he's too. he's such a great character actor um i'm a huge fan of his and i, I loved his performance in this um, it was just a unique movie. I, I hope it finds a bigger audience. I hope mm -hmm. more people get to see it. Um, I'm sure almost everyone is, who's listening to this has never even heard of it. Um, but I, I hope people find it somehow. It's a, it's a fun, fun, uh, adventure slash noir slash tragedy drama movie. It's, it's a very, uh, very unique film. Yeah. It definitely dealt with some very, uh, some very, very rough material. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, and, and I think it did have a small, um, a, a, a limited theatrical run, and I think that it, I, I assume that it'll have a VOD release at some point, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> soon. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, hopefully, yeah. Um, up next is Saint Vincent. Um, this was not a remarkable movie. Um, I think it was a, I almost wanted to say a, a vehicle for Bill Murray, but that's really not, that's really not true because it's uh it's not really in keeping with a lot of the characters that Bill Murray's played. Um he's kind of a silly comedian jokester for a lot of his comedic roles and then he'll he does a lot of dramatic turns as well. Um but this was kind of a blend of both. Um he was a very crass and 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 silly character but at the same time he had, he's experiencing and has been through a lot of dramatic issues in his life um so it was a very a very different performance for bill murray i think um he had he had to balance those two sides of his career that he's kind of that he's kind of played um and, and i'm also a big fan of whenever kids don't suck uh whenever kids are good, good actors and i don't remember the uh i don't remember the name of the actor who played the kid in this movie but he was very good um he did a great job the movie actually came out last year did it really yeah 
Oh, well, I saw it this year. <laughs> Dang it! I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah that's a tough. That's a tough <clears throat> game. It, it is huh. very In fact, tough. Now that you mentioned that, I, I started to say, "Why didn't I put that on my top ten? Because it would have been. <laughs> and I, I think it might have been on my honorable mentions last year. Right? Wow! I had, I thought that was a 2015. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. So just just wanted to oh, clarify. Well. Oh okay. well, you saw it. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway. Um. Up next is Black Mass. Uh, we had a whole review uh, review of that past right. episode. Um, so see that for our opinions on Black Mass. I think mostly that movie was a phenomenal performance. Mm-hmm. Just phenomenal performance from uh, Johnny Depp. Um, a lot of credit to Joel Edgerton as well. Pretty good performance there. Um, so I think that's the biggest standout from the movie. I think if you take that away, it's still a solid flick. But uh, maybe a couple of minor writing issues, uh, a little bit pacing. The end felt tacked on. Um, had some issues with it, but uh, overall, a great movie to watch. I think everyone mm-hmm. should see it just for the performance in it. I hope Johnny Depp gets an Oscar nod for it. Um, cool movie. I was I was not as warm on it. It didn't really? make any of my lists. Oh, okay. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah, my, me neither. Okay. For me, sometimes all it takes is a knock out of the park performance and i right. want to i put it on my list i i'm into that a lot so um nothing wrong with that okay uh up next an honest liar which is a netflix documentary uh i'm pretty sure i mentioned it on the podcast you did this was uh it had been like about a month ago i think roughly yeah i think it was in the um either the creed episode or our netflix picks episode okay yeah <clears throat> um so yeah it's, it's a netflix original documentary about a uh magician who was kind of later in his career sort of evolved into a uh a person who exposed frauds and uh people who were just trying to screw people out of their money not for entertainment purposes um just to it's kind of hard to fit the movie into a box because it's very unique um it's not your typical documentary about a magician that you would think um it's it's just a really basically so much of the quality of the film rests on the shoulders of the person it's about and he's such an interesting guy that it made it it made it an awesome documentary um the amazing randy was his name yeah Um, i love that guy yeah it's a it's a really cool documentary um didn't quite make my list because it kind of i think it kind of lost its way a little bit uh towards the end um the route they chose to go with it i thought was a little odd i guess i don't know i can't take too much away from it but it just kind of threw me um so an honest liar check it out it's on netflix good watch and i just checked and we did we did talk you did talk about it in the creed episode okay good uh so my last one probably the most controversial which i'm pretty sure it's on both of your top tens uh is ex machina oh yeah um and and i think i think this probably would be my number 11 i mean um i I know. I t- yeah, I talked about it. Um, we didn't do a review episode on it. But. No, we talked about it in episodes 119 and 122. 119, 122. Okay. Um, yeah, I brought it up in a potpourri. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a good movie, and and I think I think part of why I didn't love it so much that it could be on my top ten is maybe just that I need to see it again, and maybe I didn't pick up some of the things that were expressed in the film that I just I didn't quite pick up on them or make connections with it. Um, but I I really can't take much away from it i thought it was a really good movie and i i have it as my number 11 um don't hate me for that <laughs> i'm sure it's on a lot of people's top tens and right. i think i think it deserves to be i think it deserves to be in people's top fives i, <clears throat> I have nothing against mm-hmm. that at all um uh, i really love oscar isaac 
he's just such a he's so much fun to watch he just he just oh, he's so awesome he really he's is great. so awesome yeah, oh, yeah he's awesome um so it's it's a good movie and and you can listen to my thoughts on it and uh in the potpourri that we did um if so, you want yeah. you can i can borrow i can loan you my blu-ray of it i may need to do it. that yeah um, does that round out your honorable mentions? That is my honorable mentions. Yeah. Sweet. All right. So my honorable mentions are, uh, these are in order from the most honorable to least 11 through 15, basically. <laughs> um, so the first honorable mention is sleeping with other people, which I talked about in episodes 118 and 122. It was the opening film of, uh, Indie Film Fest this year. It's a, it's a, it's a rom-com with Jason Sudeikis and Alison Brie. And I absolutely adored it. And this is another movie that I feel like got, didn't get as much attention as I really wanted it to. Um, I don't know if how much of a wide release it had, but it was, it just, it just hit me like, it just hit just the right spot. It was, I, I referenced that it's, uh, it's like when Harry met Sally for millennials, basically. And I stand by that completely because it's, it, it's, it was just, it was just great. It was fantastic. I, I can't really, don't really have anything negative to say about it. And I really, really want to see it again. Um, it actually just hit VOD, I think. And I, I think I'm going <clears> to <throat> rent it or something to see it again. Cause I, and I'll buy the DVD or something, but I, I really, I really enjoyed it. That's sleeping with other people. I really enjoyed sleeping with other people. Um, <laughs> my, my next honorable mention is, uh, another movie that I saw at a film festival. This one I saw at Heartland. It's Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made. Um, I talked about it in episode 136 of the podcast. It's, it's this really charming documentary about these, these group of guys who, when they were kids for several years of their childhood, filmed a shot for shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And the whole documentary is centered around them coming back uh, like 20 years later, getting back together and just to complete the final scene, the, the airplane scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark. And what I love about it is that, yeah, oh, it was fantastic. Um, what I, what I love about it is that it's, it's like a perfect blend of documentary kind of like, uh, drama. Like there, there's a little bit of drama in them actually getting, there's actually a lot of drama in them getting the shot completed, but it, it's interspersed with a lot of, um, really poignant and gripping, like scenes of them talking about talking about how their lives ended up and how they envisioned their lives going. Like one of them in particular is uh, wanted to be a filmmaker, and that he never accomplished that. And uh, making this fin- completing this is him, like maybe not accomplishing his dream, but it's it's him, you know, just just doing something that he really wanted to do or or something that was really important to him. And there's scenes where he's He's having to talk to his boss to get more time off of work. And so it's, it's this like, it's a drama that's not, that doesn't feel manufactured and that he's trying to, he's risking his livelihood to complete this project when he was a kid. But what, what really made this honorable for me was that all of that is interspersed with just really, really hysterical shots of um, the behind the scenes footage from when they were kids and like the crap that they did when they were filming this, 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 uh, this doing this project when they were kids is just astounding. Cause it's like, they're doing like really dangerous things mm-hmm. and they, uh, they're commenting on it as adults. And it's like the, the, the mixture of hindsight and in actually seeing what's going on when they were kids is just, 
like I was cackling with laughter when I was watching it. It's it's hilarious. Um, huh. yeah, it, it this movie almost made my top ten, but uh, I'll talk to that. I'll talk more to that when I get to my top ten. But uh, so that's Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made. And then my uh, next honorable mention is another uh, movie that I saw at Heartland. It's uh, Fourth Man Out, which uh, I talked about in episode one thirty six. It's uh. It's a coming of age, not well, I guess coming of age, um, comedy about this blue collar, blue collar guy who, uh, he's like in his mid twenties and he comes out to his friends who they're like very, I use the, I use the word bromophobic. Like they're, they're kind of, <laughs> they're, they're, they, they make jokes about, uh, being gay and everything. And that's, it's the whole movie is kind of centered around how they react, finding out that they're one of their best friends is, is actually gay. And it's, it's not really a, it's not a homophobic thing. It's like I said, bromophobic where they're, they're trying really hard to not offend him <laughs> throughout it. And it's, it has some hilarious consequences and it has a lot of heart too. Cause it's about the other side of it is that the guy is, um, is really struggling with, with his identity. Cause he's, he's trying to find, he's trying, he, like he's out, publicly now and so he's he's striking out in the dating scene and he's finding that it's it's a it's a pretty big struggle for him uh and that that's something that resonated with me as someone who's had um horrible dating experiences um so so it's a really good and i think that it's going to have a limited release sometime this year actually and i'm sure it'll hit vod um soon but that's fourth man out <clears throat> and then my fourth one is The End of the Tour with Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Jason Siegel. It's the movie about uh, the, I want to say Rolling Stone, yeah, Rolling Stone reporter who interviewed uh, David Foster Wallace uh, right at the end of his um, book tour for Infinite Jest. And it's a really, it's a really interesting movie in that it's these two guys who one of them is like, the the reporter played by Jesse Eisenberg is revering um Jason Siegel as, as David Foster Wallace, like he's like, he's, he's in the presence of a genius and the whole movie is them talking back and forth. And it's really interesting because, um, it taps into the loneliness of, uh, David Foster Wallace and how he's, how he's there. There's like one scene in particular where, uh, Jesse Eisenberg asks him a question and then, uh, Jason Siegel responds and then he kind of turns it around a little bit and tries to genuinely get information about, uh, Jesse Eisenberg's character. And there's a moment where, um, uh, David, uh, uh Jesse Eisenberg, his name was David in the movie as well. Um, he <clears throat> responds with, Hey, who's interviewing who, who here? And just the look on Jason Siegel's face as he's like, he's, he, he's like almost a little broken up because he's, he's not, he wants, he, he's failing to find human connection and, and the way that the interplay goes from there between them is really, just really fantastic. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, yeah, that's the end of the tour and I actually got it. I actually own it on Amazon, uh, digital because there was a glitch and it was for free, um, one night. Nice. So like I bought it, so I have a digital copy, but anyway, um, <clears throat> rounding out my honorable mentions, is uh, actually straight out of Compton, which we had a review of on episode one twenty six, uh, one twenty seven. I'm sorry. Um, just a really, a really shockingly good musical biopic um, that not only is uh, I, w- I would call it a music biopic. Music, not yeah, a musical. Yeah, biopic, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, a music biopic. 
Um, but the, it's, it's really interesting to me because what something that I latched onto is like, this is the subject matter stuff that I was like tangentially, um, aware of and interested in, uh, going into it, but it really, it really got to a heart in it. And, and the thing that stood out most about it is it also depicted an era and a, a culture that I was completely out of touch with and not really aware of. It put context to, uh, the gangster rap mu- movement basically that I had never really considered before. And the, the sequences involving like the LA riots and Rodney King and all that stuff was like, like to an extent, I really wanted more of that. Um, but what we got was really solid. Um, it's not a perfect movie. Uh, there's a lot of Liberty taken with the, uh, depiction of some of the characters and some of the, some of the stuff that was omitted is a little, a little, like a little bit playing it safe for the, producers that are also subjects of the movies of the movie, but I was really kind of blown away by the movie. Um, yeah, it was, it was really good. I really enjoyed it uh, straight out of Compton and that rounds out my honorable mentions. Good deal. Whew. Yes. So, um, should we dive in? We should. Do you guys want to do, um, <clears throat> just tens and then like each do our tens and then we do. Yeah, I think that's best. All right. Yep. So I've been talking a lot. Why don't you guys get cracking? Um, uh, Tiny, what's your number 10? So my number 10 to kick us off, uh, ironically, technically came out in 2014. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, came out in 2015. Um, it's the movie It Follows. Yes. Um, had a limited release in December, I think. Of 2014, I think it may have like hit a, uh, a film festival or something. Okay, which yeah. it wasn't available in Indianapolis until 2015. Right, and that should be the criteria so, that we use yeah. to do it. Like any any movie that was widely accessible to us in 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I know we discussed it um, in an episode. Uh, it may have been a potpourri, but I, I don't recall which episode. I it was a while ago. Yeah, um, we actually had like three episodes consecutively where we talked about that's it. That's right, yeah, because we also had a different time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think Mike brought it up first. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, so reference those episodes, uh, literally three of them, um, for our thoughts on that. But just to sum it up, um, this is one of the more unique and I think um, special horror movies I've seen in the last five years or so. Uh, from my perspective, I, I have a a strange relationship with horror movies. Um, I'm up and down on them. Some of them I love, some of them I don't. Um, I, I don't. It, it's not one of my favorite genres, um, but there are some just awesome horror movies that I love, um, and it follows. I think is one of those now. Um, it was it was part psychological thriller. It was part um, suspense. Um, None of it was necessarily jump out of your seat scary, but it was just like this eerie feeling you have throughout the movie that really affected you. Um, and it kind of, uh, it's, it's hard to put into words because it's such a, it's such a different, it's such a different movie. I mean, it's, it's, there, there aren't really any other horror movies out there like this that I can think of. Um, again, I'm not super, not a super fan of the, the genre, but I, this was just so, so cool and I hadn't seen anything like it. Um, the, there's so many good things to say about it. Um, the, the way that a lot of the scenes are filmed is very, uh, very inclusive and it feels like you're right there in the action. Um, the music is, 
so cool and just like out of left field, not at all what you would expect from this kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in the best way possible. Uh, I love the music in this movie. Um, and, and there's there's just so many other plethora of things you could say about It Follows. Um, it's it's kind of weird that it has... It's kind of weird that sex plays such an integral part in the film uh, because sex is always treated so nonchalantly in horror movies. You know, it's just kind of thrown in there. It's like, you know, especially in the eighties, you got all this, this gory, gore, huge gore mixed with this sex and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was kind of, it's kind of funny and it's, it's something you can sort of poke fun at. Um, but it was, it was literally so important in this movie that it was part of the plot. Um, (laughs) it's just, to me, except that I, I, I'll add, cause, and we could talk forever about this movie. I don't know that, I was in like an official episode when we all just kind of got to review it. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm sorry to, to steamroll you here. It's okay. But uh, like at the same time, you're right. But I also feel like what's so interesting about the way they treated sex in the movie was, while yes, it was important. It was also like they weren't making a criticism of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like she's not, She's not condemned for the fact that she has sex. She just likes like, okay, well this happens and now I gotta do something about it. Right. And then like it's not a she passes it on and that's okay and then gives it to someone else. And it's a scary thing that looms, but it's never like you're going to die if you have sex. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like she has probably had it before, you know? It's not you know, I don't know. Yeah. Right. I know what you're saying. And it's it's funny because for a movie where sex is so integral to it, they don't really show much. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not, yeah. there's one or two sex scenes and there's no gratuitous nudity or anything like that. Um, it wasn't about sex. It just was integral to the plot. Um, right. And I thought that was a fun kind of turn of genre cliches, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, like, like Mike said, we could go on talking about this for a long time. Um, yeah. I love the movie and... Uh, it's it's gonna be one of my favorite horror movies ever, I think. And nice. yeah, it's definitely had a spot in my top ten. Awesome. I I feel bad that it didn't make my top ten or my honorable mentions. I kind of wish that I would have at least included it because I did really, really, really like that movie. Um, and I, I've I've grown to love it more as I've watched it more because I've watched it a couple times this year or last year. Nice. Um, it does. It takes a few yeah. times, especially if you go in the first time expecting to be scared. Totally. Uh, having said that, Mike, what's your number 10? Well, let's stay in the horror genre, huh? Absolutely. Uh, my number 10 has to be Krampus. I loved Krampus so much. It was just such a fun time. Interesting. I, I, I guess I think I have to add a disclaimer to my top 10. I feel like, you know, as movie uh, fans and critics and reviewers and talkers abouters or whatever you want to <laughs> say, we do. Um, I, I think our tastes become more refined, but I also like to think of myself um, as an everyman when it comes to some of our interests. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't see a lot of um, the, the late uh, end of the year stuff that was really um, critically acclaimed. And so I know that Krampus is going to be on very few top 10 lists. Um, and a lot of the people I've talked to just kind of didn't like it. They didn't really get it. Um, not that there's anything to get. It's not highbrow. It's it's a silly, goofy Christmas horror movie. But man, I had I just had so much fun, and I was looking forward to it for a long time because I loved Trick or Treat. Mm-hmm. Michael Doherty, the director, did that, uh, and has been talking about Krampus for a long time. And it 
um, you know, that Christmas has um, similar, if not more, lore to it than Halloween, but it doesn't have the same kind of superstitions that Halloween does. Mm-hmm. And so early on, the movie kind of touches on a couple of superstitions, and that was irksome to begin with. But once it kind of got past that and and did a lot of different things. Um, I really just had a blast with it. The ending uh, totally stuck for me. There were a few things I didn't like. Um, some some CGI characters that I think were a little too hokey for my taste. But <laughs> there were some genuine scares, um, a lot of laughs, and a really fun time, which is kind of what you ask for from from a movie like that, a Christmas horror movie. Nice. You know, it it didn't make any of my lists, but I I enjoyed it too. Um I did have some not issues with it, but I it wasn't as accessible to me as say Trick or Treat was. Um part of that is because it, <laughs> this is going to seem like such a backhanded compliment to it, but it sold the family dynamic and the family kind of drama that that Halloween or that holiday family gathering of to like two sides of the trap, like different sides of the family and all that coming together. Yeah. Like it, it, it covered that, uh, that, that dynamic so incredibly well that to see these characters be in peril, uh, in peril, uh, later in the movie, it felt just a little bit off to me. Like it felt like, like I didn't want, it's not that it's too not, sad. No, not, not really even too sad. It just felt like, like throughout the when when stuff's about to start happening, I was like, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to see these people get killed off or be in, in, be harmed in any way. Because I, because it almost yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, and and I don't yeah. think I'm spoiling much to say that some, they die. Some some characters right. die. Obviously, it's a horror movie. Yeah, and it was really. Um, unsettling in a way that a horror movie is supposed to but strangely it was satisfying in the way that a horror movie is supposed to Mm -hmm. but unsettling in a way that uh, a christmas family movie exactly not supposed to feel yeah it 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 almost and maybe this will uh maybe it'll be better for me to watch it again uh because just going into it like i was so sold on the christmas family family story basically that mm-hmm. it just it just made the transition into horror just really just unnerving in a way that isn't isn't like horror movie unnerving it's just unnerving in tone for me yeah. um but i do agree that the ending really stuck the landing and i do want to point out that the like the set design and the production design and just the the visuals of like the the blizzard and everything was just really spot on for me. I was totally digging that the visuals of it, the aesthetic of it was just really on point for me, especially yeah. for what I assume was a pretty low budget movie. Yeah. So yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. So uh, anything else on Krampus, or should I do my number ten? Do it. Cool. Okay. So number ten on mine. Um, this was a this was a point in my list that was kind of a little bit contentious. Uh, cause I wanted to put, uh, there was a few, a few different movies kind of vying for the spot, but I decided to go with Peace Officer, which was a documentary I saw at Heartland Film Festival. I talked about it in episode 136 of the podcast. And I put this here 
because I really want people to see this documentary. It's currently on Google Play for uh, to rent, and also I think on iTunes, um, and you can also buy it and all that digitally. Um, it's a fantastic documentary. It's about the militarization of police in the United States. It's from the point of view of this retired sheriff and this former Marine uh, named Dub, who he's basically he's basically the guy who instituted the SWAT unit of his county. And then 20 years after uh, he did that, that same SWAT unit uh, killed his son-in-law following a standoff. And so the entire documentary is him investigating this murder, basically. Um, and then he's also reconstructing the crime scene. And then he's also going to different uh, – he, he's there's like two or three other crimes that are similar to that involving uh, overpowered SWAT units um, – that that ended tragically and he goes and he reconstructs the crime scenes there and talks to the relatives of the victims and all that and all of that is well enough to package it as as a as a uh as a very strong documentary but it goes the extra mile and it goes through the history of policing and the history of SWAT units and and the rise the escalate it it showcases the escalation of the militarization of police in a very straightforward way. That was something that I just, I thought I really appreciated it. And coming from someone who is such a well-decorated and well-respected person, and he has charisma like no other. Um, this guy is just, it's such a unique entry point. Cause I'm, I, I've said this before, but I come from a police family and I've kind of just been, it's, it's, it's a fault in in me that I can't uh, like instinctively. I don't think too critically when when there's like um, when there when there's a big controversy involving police because I always kind of kind of just um, <clears throat> I kind of just knee jerk. I just knee jerk defend not defend, but I knee jerk. Uh, my knee jerk reaction is to side with whatever the police are doing because I just think that in throughout my upbringing I'm like well the police have to be right they're the authority and this documentary just was a completely unbiased look at policing and I just I absolutely adored it um and tiny I know specifically like you would get a lot out of this I'm sure I would yeah um that's peace officer like I said it's on uh digital platforms for VOD on to rent and I believe buy and I th- I assume I it'll be on DVD and Blu-ray eventually, but um, yeah, really, really loved it. Huh. Uh, yeah. Nice. So, Tiny, what's your number nine? Uh, my number nine uh, is Steve Jobs, which nice. we talked about in episode 138. Uh, we did a review with our friend Greg Lentz from mm. uh, We Are Libertarians podcast. Um, we talked about it really extensively in that mm-hmm. that episode. I don't want to rehash all that, but... Um, to, to call to call the movie one of a kind is is a disservice. I mean, it's it was so unlike anything you've ever seen. Um, the the three distinct acts I think were a remarkably bold choice that I I think paid off. You know, it's uh, we I think pretty much all three of us agreed that maybe you actually could have gotten a better movie if it would have been more straightforward. Mm-hmm. Just kind of you know lay it all out instead of just three three snapshots in time actually go explore the man's entire life um you could have actually had a better movie that way i think or a more uh more realistic or you know including all the information uh, a more true biopic but i didn't care because this was so just such a cool idea and, and it and we still got a very concise character in steve jobs 
through only seeing, you know, I don't know, maybe three 20 minute snapshots in time of his life, roughly something like that, maybe a little more. Um, <clears throat> that was really, that, that's just, you don't see that. It's, it's not something you ever see. And it doesn't make sense that you get an idea of what this character is. Uh, but you completely do. And all the other characters kind of evolve along with them and um, maybe a little bit less eloquently some of the other characters. But uh, it was just such such a cool idea for a movie. Um, and it was just remarkable how well it was pulled off, um, mostly from, a, I th- from, in my opinion, a writing standpoint, but also the directing. Um, uh, we, I've referred to uh, Danny Boyle as a Swiss Army knife of directors, <laughs> and, and I stick to that because he... This this didn't necessarily feel like a Danny Boyle movie, and that's because no movie that Danny Boyle does feels like a Danny Boyle movie. They're all just so different. Um, he's he just has such a such a a, a unique uh, a, a unique spin on every single movie he does, and and this this stuck to that that platform that he's erected for himself. Um, so I, I I really love the movie. It has its shortcomings. Um, it's like I said, maybe not the best representation of Steve Jobs, the real Steve Jobs. Um, there's there's tons of uh, creative license taken, and every couple minutes, there's probably something in there that's not necessarily true. Um, but it's it made for fantastic theater. It, it mm-hmm. was it was just so good to watch. Um, again, reference our our episode uh, number yeah. one thirty eight. Uh, we we just we dove all the way into that the movie and and. Uh, went off the rails a few points about it. So, yeah. um, again, I don't want to rehash all that, but Steve Jobs was fantastic. Um, again, I need to admit my bias. Mm-hmm. I love everything that Aaron Sorkin does. Mm-hmm. So, I, this was destined to be on my top ten, really. Um, right. but I think I think I'm being objective because I put it at number nine, right? <laughs> Not number three or something, you know. And and we have had a call from from our listeners from from at least one listener to do a summer of Sorkin. So yeah. Yeah, but um, <laughs> have we really? Or are you just saying that because you want to? No, no, I'm saying that we've we've legitimately had a tweet come in that says we should do Summer of Sorkin, which I think would offset our Summer of Sandler. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I you know uh, uh, Steve Jobs is another movie that I'm I don't remember if I mentioned this when Mike mentioned it in his um, honorable mentions, but it didn't make my cut and. Um, it's also worth mentioning that in episode 138, the review, the actual review starts at like 10 minutes into the episode, yeah. but, um, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. It, it, it was like just right on the cusp of being on my lists and, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it and I, I love the structure of it as well. It felt like three, it felt like three short films packaged together to do one full narrative. And I loved the restraint that like Danny Boyle does have some signature, flourishes and, and styles but like they come through like bits and pieces here and there like a yeah. little tiny flourishes and it felt like he was just restrained and the dialogue and the scenes between like uh, it was it was really good and i look forward to see it again but to seeing it again but it didn't uh make my list but uh mike you already talked about that right yeah yeah so then why don't do you have anything more to say tony no that's about it cool so mike how about your number nine my number nine is uh we've actually talked about it it follows nice <laughs> and so to I'll, I'll keep it short because we've already talked about it a lot and we talked about it on this episode so um you know the first time i saw it i was a little underwhelmed and i think we left the theater pretty disappointed because just mm-hmm. the the accolades and the hype built around this movie is like the next great horror movie um 
But what I loved the second time was the new angle I found and that it wasn't so much about the sex metaphor, but it was more for me at least. And, you know, all great movies have have multiple interpretations. Um, For me, at least it was about um, growing up and and not wanting to transition from youth into adulthood, which is a terrifying thing that I am now face to face with, obviously. Right. And so, you know, there's the scene very early on where she's with the the boy and they play the game. Who would you want to be? And you know, he looks over at that family and she says that guy and. Uh, she, he's wrong and he, you know, he could have picked the guy or even the mom, who knows, but he picks the little kid and he wants to be that little kid again. And so, you know, like I said, it's not necessarily this indictment of sex, but it's this fear that sex is something that means you're an adult and, and wishing we could go back to a simpler time. So that paired with, uh, like my favorite score of the year, mm-hmm. um, and some, not like uh, edge your seat scares, but but good enough scares um, is an easy number nine. Easy number nine for me. Nice, and yeah. I I want to point out just how this it follows in this discussion here in this episode. It's <laughs> it's a good representation for a why I love talking with you guys about movies, and why mm-hmm. it is freaking amazing. Like this is a good example of a movie that you can really dig into and unpack a lot as references by we've we've talked about it several times on the podcast but it's so unique in that like tiny you saw it as a kind of not deconstruction but kind of somewhat subverting the horror genre and kind of playing with horror tropes and cliches Mm -hmm. mike you saw it as a metaphor for coming of age and growing up and everything i latched on to the uh idea of it being a metaphor for trauma and specifically like sexual trauma and, and reacting to that and and dealing with that in in a unique way against the backdrop of a of a pretty sc- fairly scary monster horror story and i i think that that really that makes me regret not having it on my list cuz it's that kind of movie is somewhat of a rarity to be able to talk at length about those different aspects of the same movie is such a unique yes. thing and i absolutely love that movie uh, that about that movie um it's one of the few like blu-rays that i actually bought this year so i'm proud to have it in my collection so yeah um <clears throat> So, okay, I'll go ahead and go with my number nine, which I just recently saw. Um, I should mention that uh, the last few weeks of 2015, I was just seeing as many 2015 movies as I could. It was, it was insane. And one of, the, one of the last movies of 2015 I saw was The Hateful Eight. Which, right. yeah, which, uh, Tiny, I know you haven't seen it yet. And Mike, have mm-hmm. you seen it? I have not seen it tomorrow. Okay, cool. So I'll go ahead and say this, that it's a movie that I was not anticipating it to be on my top 10 list at all. Like I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm, that I'm, uh, that I'm torn on Tarantino or anything like that. Or I'm, I don't even, it's not that I dislike him. It's just that the last couple movies that I've seen from him, I'm just, I thought they were just pretty, pretty okay. Like Inglorious Bastards was amazing. The first 10, 15 minutes of it was some of the best writing that Tarantino's ever done and best filming that he's ever done. Um, and then Django was, was great, but I only saw it in the theater. I haven't revisited it. And I think that I came away from it thinking that it was, that it was just really, 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 really solid. 
Um, it didn't leave that much of a lasting impression. And knowing that he was that Tarantino was going into another western uh, immediately after that just made me think, made me kind of just stay away from the marketing. I didn't really care. It was it was something that I wasn't really that interested in seeing. Um, and it just blew my expectations. It was it was amazing. It just it was uh, it's it's the tightest paced Tarantino movie he's made in a while. And it's I At love three oh seven. <laughs> Dang, that's impressive. Three oh seven is that? Isn't it? Uh, we're talking about Hateful Eight, right? Oh, three hours seven minutes. Three hours seven minutes. Gotcha. That's the that's I think that's the time for the seventy millimeter roadshow version that has an intermission and overture and stuff that has like twenty extra minutes. But yeah, it's uh, it's just shy of three hours, and it's wow. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um. I, I, it's also unique in that the violence in it is like, like Tarantino is like his signature is foul language and gratuitous violence, basically. Um, and that, and it's never been a problem for me. I'm not a prude like that or anything, but it seems like a lot of the violence that he has is very indulgent and very overindulgent and just, just really just like turned up to 11. And in the hateful eight, it felt like all the bursts of violence were were warranted. They they suited the story. They it was it wasn't a it wasn't him practicing a restraint. It was him really reconciling the violence with the story in a way that I did not expect from this movie. And I really really appreciated that. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see it in seventy millimeter with that extra uh, twenty or so minutes. And I will never be able to see that in in seventy millimeter at the State Museum IMAX up here because they unfortunately could only have the Force Awakens there, so that's a shame. But um, man, I I really really like this movie, and I will say that uh, the cast is absolutely incredible, and Walton Goggins freaking stole the movie for me. Nice, yes, and I'm like I am a longtime fan of that guy from The Shield, and. It's it's so nice to see him have a big role in such a big movie and have him just commit to that character. It's it's somewhat I mean he's he's a southern racist guy so he's somewhat he's somewhat a uh, um uh stereotype or uh, um wow uh type uh, typecast but the he has like little inflections and in a way, the way that he handles the role is so just fantastic. I've I I haven't seen him commit to a role like this in for a while, and I, I just loved seeing that. Um, yeah, so that's my number nine. That's The Hateful Eight, and I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah, so tiny. Uh, yeah, number, number eight. Number eight, numero ocho. Uh, Avengers, Age of Ultron. Nice. Which uh, we discussed in episode 105. Uh, it was the second part of our... Um, uh, Marvel, cinematic Marvel Cinematic Universe, Universe uh, series. Um, and that one was all about Phase Two, which uh, culminated with Avengers: Age of Ultron. Um, it's kind of I don't I don't think this movie ended up making a lot of top tens. No, um, it's not on Matt's. I don't think it's on yours, Mike. It's not on mine. It is no. not on yours. It wasn't even on your honorable mentions. Um, I. I ended up putting it on mine because there's a lot of really good stuff I missed this year. Um, so that's, I can't, I can't avoid that. But also, I, it was genuinely one of the top 10 movies I saw this year. I'm not, I'm not just throwing it in because it was a, a big movie that I really anticipated and I wanted it to be amazing. Um, I had a phenomenal time with it and 
I, I'm pretty sure I discussed in our in our episode, it was a while ago, um, that it I, I really just loved it for what it did with the characters. I think the movie was a bit of a placeholder. I mean it advanced the plot it advanced the overall plot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It it definitely did, but um I, I think it did more to kind of set up what's gonna happen in phase three. Um a lot of the Civil War stuff that we're gonna get. Um the the rift that kind of happens between the Avengers, um, I think it was it was a bit of setup for that, um, but I don't think it was just setup. Um, I I think clearly the the development of a lot of the characters, uh, specifically Bruce Banner, uh, the Hulk, um, made a lot of strides in this movie. Um, I think uh, Tony Stark, his his humility continues to expand which I think is a fun thing to watch. Um, we're seeing Captain America become more of a captain. You know, he, he becomes more of a leader in each iteration of his character. And I love that. Uh, the man's just a natural leader and it's amazing to watch how he, how he, uh, um, embraces that. Um, and I, th- that's the kind of stuff that I loved in age of Ultron. Um, and I was just, I was happy to have another, Joss Whedon script to look through. Um, I, I was so just all the co- all the comedic relief. I was I just loved it. Uh, I cracked up at it. Um, it bordered on bordered on a comedy for me. Um, there's just so much of it that I that I loved. Um, we talked about the shortcomings in episode 105. Um, it, it and it seemed like another another lackluster villain. Um, a lot of a lot of style with not as much substance. Um, I, I think I think there's a lot of philosophy that he explored that was interesting, but ultimately is a bit throwaway in, in the grand scheme of the cinematic universe. Uh, so I think that's unfortunate. But um, I, I I just loved it, and and I'm I'm just so invested in the adventures uh, that I can't separate that from how much I enjoy the <laughs> movies. Um, that's I think that's part of why it made my top ten. Um, but I won't apologize for that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, it didn't make my lists or anything, but uh yeah, I t- I need to revisit it. Um but yeah, yeah, totally it, respect. It didn't make mine either. And I and thinking back and hearing you describe it, I I don't know why, but really I I don't think it's better than any of the 10 movies on this list. Um and you know, given as much as I talk about love and comics, you you would think it'd be on there, but um, I, I have found over the years that I'm just not that big a fan of comic movies. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they end up more often than not disappointing me. And I think really more than anything, what I did was kind of pair a John with Ant-Man and just say, eh, the comic book, book movies this year weren't that great. Mm-hmm. Um, add that to the fact that as far as spectacle is concerned, I watched Age of Ultron 2 or uh, Avengers 2, um, by myself. And so it was just kind of not not the, like, super exciting experience that you want from a movie like that. Um, and I don't know. It was it was really interesting and fun to watch, but these are just... I, I don't know. I just found that these are not my favorite characters, and I, and I think they are perfectly done. I mean, Steve Rogers, Captain America is, is just so awesome. And he's by far my favorite, but, um, I, if, you know, winter soldier is kind of the gold standard for what a comic book movie can do. I don't think 
I don't think Age of Ultron can hold a candle to what that movie did. That was a special movie. Age of Ultron, for as big as the spectacle was and as fun as it was, it it just wasn't it just wasn't special or fresh or new in the way Winter Soldier was. Yeah, that that's my sentiments exactly, actually. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. <clears throat> like I said, if I had seen uh some of the ones that I missed out on, if I had seen two or three of those, this that probably wouldn't have made the list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that happens. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Mike, how about your number eight? My number eight is uh, one of your honorable mentions, actually straight out of Compton. Nice. Yeah, I I really liked, especially early on, um, how well the movie painted a picture of a world with which I am completely unfamiliar. And I don't mean to say that I'm unfamiliar with gangster rap and, and rap in the 90s, um, but I just mean the lives of these characters is is so not the life I lived at all. Um, and so for a real movie to kind of put me in that place, also uh, from the perspective of, of a lifestyle that I would have liked to have lived uh, music-wise, I'm, I'm talking about the music career. And so right. it was cool to see a different perspective of that done well, done successfully. Um, all the criticisms, you know, the ones that you brought up, Matt, I think are spot on and I think are fair to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think some of the stuff with Easy e at the end kind of just hits you pretty quickly and, and seems a little... Uh, you know, it was necessary to tell, but it seemed a little tacked on, which was a little disappointing. Yeah. Uh, but overall, I I can't fault the movie too hard for some of those small things because it, it just we we left the movie so surprised and shocked with with how good how well done it was. Right, and that's the the ending and the the way that they handle the easy stuff at the end. Like the farther away I get from the movie, the more I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but the more I notice the flaws in the way that it was handled. Yeah. Um and even that's kind of just I don't think that I'll have a problem with it whenever I see it again at some point. So those are pretty minor um on my part. So so yeah, totally respectable uh number 8 there. Um, and once again, we talked about that in episode 127 of the podcast. Um, <clears throat> so I guess it's on me. My number eight is, uh, I'm not going to make the joke, uh, is Creed. Um, I freaking loved it. Um, it's, it's, uh, it, it's not what I expected from the seventh installment of the Rocky franchise, a franchise that I have kind of just a passing, uh, not really, but I guess passing familiarity with, I've, I've seen the first four Rocky movies. Um, and I haven't seen them any time recently. And I, I really, really, really respect the first one, but the rest, I just, I'm kind of just like, I know that I'll like them if I revisit them, but I just haven't revisited them in years. And coming into Rocky, I didn't really, I thought that it would, I thought that it would be good. Um, I didn't think that it would blow me away the way that it did. By the way, we reviewed it in episode 142 of the podcast and I just absolutely loved the heart that went into it. Um, it's very clear that this is a, a new story, a new generation, a new character, and it's, it's dealt with such, such heart and, and such sincerity. Um, and we get a really strong, uh, central character, um, to, from which I think would maybe benefit from from having more in the in the canon but i'm fine with just one really and 
I mean, that's the way that the the fights are filmed was just astounding. Uh, I absolutely loved um, the the visual techniques, the the style of the of the fights, and and the uh, just really the way that Philadelphia was captured in the movie was just just spot on. And the in the humor between Adonis and Rocky was like the that that's what solidified it at my number eight spot because it's it's so genuine and it's so so not what I expected from uh, Sylvester Stallone when going into it really. And I just I thought that um, I didn't think that that kind of performance and that kind of genuine um, uh, persona would really resonate with me the way that it did in, in Creed and all in all, I just really, I really, really enjoyed the movie and that's why it's my number eight. Nice pick. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Sure. Uh, moving on to number seven, uh, movie we discussed in the past, uh, the champions, nice. uh, that was a documentary that we got to see at uh, heartland film festival this mm-hmm. year. Um, Matt and I went and saw that one together. Um, and I was pleased to see that it was a, uh, a packed theater. I mean, oh, yeah. it was it was a packed theater that night, and it wasn't the only night they were showing it. Um, uh, for those who don't know, the Champions uh, is a documentary that follows the dogs that were rescued from Michael Vick's dogfighting ring when he was arrested. Um, we talked about this pretty extensively in uh, episode one thirty six about uh, Heartland Film Festival. Um, it, the the movie is just such a it was so great because it's this is an event that doesn't really happen i mean this is this is almost a one of a kind thing where such a high profile uh celebrity does something so evil and it becomes such a public thing and there's all of this so much fallout from it um and and a lot of it a lot of it culminated with these 42 some dogs something like that 42 dogs i I believe that were rescued and and some of them were placed and some of them are still at rehabilitation facilities where they will remain Mm -hmm. for the rest of their lives um but it's it's just such a unique event i mean you don't that there's no other documentary like this 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 stuff doesn't happen this is like the only time this has happened and it's so great that some of the fallout of it was able to be documented in this way um the, the movie brought me to tears three, four, five times. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. I, and, and you know, I'll admit I'm a dog person. I, I love dogs to no end. Um, so it, I, I knew I was gonna. <clears throat> I brought Kleenex with me. I knew I was gonna cry. Um, <laughs> but uh, just, just, it's just so great that they were, they were able to uh, paint these dogs in a human light. You know, it, it's also you don't really get that many documentaries that follow an animal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's a pretty unique thing in and of itself. So. Um, just the one of the kind nature of it really set it apart from a lot of different documentaries. Um, it had it, the, the movie just had so much heart to it. It's it is just absolutely remarkable what these dogs overcame, and 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 to see it on the screen just tugged at my heartstrings at every couple minutes. It was just a absolutely beautiful thing to witness, and, and I'm glad somebody made the movie. I, I think everyone who who is a dog person should see it. It's it's just beautiful. Absolutely. And and that movie is probably the highest rated movie that didn't make any of my lists. And I feel so ashamed by it, but I have a cat now, so I'm a cat person now. So, um, <laughs> no, I, I, everything you said, I loved it so much. Nice. Uh, yeah. I didn't see it. 
<laughs> yeah, it has. It doesn't have a wide release. Yeah, I, I don't think so. It, it might be hard to find. Yeah, hopefully it hits the internet or something. Yeah, uh, relatively soon. So, mm-hmm. uh, Mike, how about your number seven? My number seven, uh, I think, is one that's on a lot of people's list: Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, and this is kind of fun. A lot of the ones we talk about, we've kind of already talked about. So it's fun to be the first to talk about one of these movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think that everything everybody's already saying about Mad Max is pretty accurate. Um, practical, practical effects, man. They're, they're back and they're, and they're, and they're back in a, in a big way. And I think they're important to people again. And, um, Furiosa is just as awesome as everyone said she was. And uh I, I just I think there's there's not a lot to really find to dislike about Mad Max. You can say what you will about kind of the thin plot, but uh you know, I don't for me that's not a that wasn't much of a problem because it it wasn't about that. It was just a special effects quick action movie and it was it was fun to watch. Agreed. Yeah, I uh I think that the the kind of lack of plot is what what didn't it didn't turn me off from it it didn't make my list for uh I mean I thought that it it looked in terms of spectacle it was just breathtaking one of the visual most visually stunning movies I've seen um in, if maybe ever um and I'm I I'll I'll see it again I'm sure but um at the end of the day it just it didn't really resonate with me the way on a on a story level uh the way that I kind of wish it would have so um I'm I'm actually surprised to see it kind of far down on your list actually Mike uh, I kind of thought it would be higher up Oh really Yeah yeah um I, <laughs> you know I'm <laughs> I'm going to I put my foot in my mouth a little bit but I I think the lack of plot is what kept it from being higher up on my list <laughs> Gotcha Right. Gotcha. Nice. Yeah, it, uh, it'll come up later in my list. So <laughs> nice. Uh, well, uh, if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and go to my number seven. Um, much like Creed, this was a uh, the seventh installment of a franchise that started in the seventies and included uh, characters who, from the original uh, movies, that uh, passed the torch to a new generation of characters. It's Star Wars: The Force Awakens. <laughs> <laughs> We talked about it, we reviewed it in episode 146, and uh, we talked about the saga as a whole in 144 and 145, and I mean, what can I say? It's uh, like, I I put my foot in my mouth when I talked about the Star Wars saga itself, but um, man, this movie is such a crowd pleaser. It's so much fun. It's I've seen it three times, it, all in different formats. I saw it the first time I saw it in 3D. Um, solid 3D didn't really do much for me. Um, I saw it in 2D. Yeah, the 3D yeah. is not special. Yeah, it's really not. It's like not. the, the um, the force blaster bolt at the beginning was probably the most effective use of 3D in it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then I saw it in 2D, and then I saw it on Sunday, um, at the IMAX theater, uh, in 2D on 70 millimeter, and it was just outstanding. Um. It, like I said, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not by any means like a perfect movie and it's not a perfect Star Wars movie. It has, it has some issues that, um, I've, I've kind of just been, you know, for once in my life, I've not been, I've not, uh, I've, ke- I've kept myself from picking apart a Star Wars movie <laughs> and just enjoyed it as, as, uh, 
as a fun spectacle and it does have those moments that really uh resonated with me on an emotional level uh, a few of them um but man it's just uh, it was it was so great it was it made me really excited for what disney's going to do with uh, this universe moving forward um yeah, and we'll we'll talk more about it later. I'm sure because it'll probably be higher up on your guys' list. So I haven't heard of that um, one. Did that was that recent? Then that came you out. You don't know. You don't know how high it is on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I will say that I was uh, I like in preparation for this episode. I listened to a bunch of our episodes throughout the year to kind of get a sense of what we've talked about so far about some of the movies that we're talking about tonight, and. Uh, we had uh both both we had um an earlier episode with Fecus and then also an episode where we talked about the pr- uh, uh prospective box office totals for Star Wars and I I'm, remember this conversation very well and I have been thinking about it since. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so I'm so happy because I I've been just adamant that this movie is that this movie was going to beat Avatar and like both Fekis at one point said, I don't know about that, it might and then you guys were very kind of kind of hesitant about it. like I don't know if it'll meet beat Avatar. And it be it's uh, by the time that this I it may have already I beat think- it. I mean, something crazy. You're right. You were right. I was wrong. But it is so crazy that I think it's even bigger than you expected. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it is so huge. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. I I did not see it coming this this much. And by the way, and and this uh, can be just a general aside. Mike, since you couldn't get on for Star Wars, at some point it would be cool to kind of have just like – it could just be like a one-on-one with me and you just talking about Star Wars. Sure. Talking about it at, at some point. We can, we can talk about it off air, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's my number seven. <laughs> awesome. It's still not the highest grossing of all time worldwide yet. Right. We'll but see. <laughs> give yeah. it time. It's been out give for it a few th- hours. <laughs> it's been out for three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, moving on to number six, mm-hmm. uh, mine is Creed. Which was mentioned already. Uh, nice. we, d- we discussed it in episode 142. Um, I, I, I when this was announced that this was coming out and everything, I was had no aspirations that it would make a top ten list of mine. Um, and and even seeing if I would have you know seen all the movies I missed out on this year, this would still be in my top ten. Um, I I just absolutely love the movie. You know, uh, reference our discussion in episode 142. We got pretty in depth with it. Um, mm-hmm. The casting was just phenomenal, just perfect casting. Michael B. Jordan has a huge future ahead of him, uh, and for for good reason. Um, he was the perfect actor to play this character, um, and, and and I loved the the generational the, the generational stuff that Matt referenced when he talked about it. Um, you know the the differences between the young. Adonis Johnson in his twenties, um, or Adonis Creed, if you will, uh, in his twenties versus the sixty-some-year-old Rocky Balboa. Uh, just, just beautiful uh, breeding ground for comedy and for um, for characters being able to get together and, and 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 find common ground where they disagree and and all that stuff. Um, just, just some awesome development in that in that dynamic. Uh, I just love the movie. Um, Definitely look at our check out episode one forty two where we we reviewed the movie. Um, mm-hmm. I loved it. Totally, uh, Mike. How about your number six? My number six is I think a surprise to me. It's Inside Out. 
Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah, and and I think I'm I think it's my favorite Pixar movie. I know, Matt, that you're you're uh you're a Pixar fanboy or mm. fan man. <laughs> and uh so you you kind of sing the praises of most of them and not, uh, there's something about most of them that just I just kind of shrug and and move on. I I've mm. never been a self-proclaimed Pixar fan for the sake of you know, for for a movie's innate Pixar-ness. Um, and so, I, you know, I don't love this movie because it was a Pixar movie, but um, I loved everything else about it. It's strange because I don't, I don't think it's a very good kids movie. Right. I think um, very, very young kids will like the colors and the sound, and I think mm. older kids will kind of connect with Riley, but... In the in the middle target audience that usually is Pixar, um, I, I think it's I think it's way over the heads the heads of those kids. And I, you know I'll agree with you there, but I also think that it's a movie. It's it's higher up on my list, so we'll talk about it later. But um, okay. I I will say that it's it's a movie that I think will also grow with kids. Um, okay, that's fair. Yeah, and I think and I think that uh, Bing Bong also is a, is a character that kids will that'll resonate with kids. And I think that part of the what I hope will be the magic of it to kids growing up with it is that they'll they'll piece together pieces of it as they grow up and they'll get a firmer understanding when as they develop along with uh, uh, their relationship to it basically. Um, but yeah, I love it. And I do sing and I I am I will readily admit that I am a huge uh, Pixar fanboy, but um yeah, uh, I <laughs> I also saw the good dinosaur this year and oh man. Oh man, that was just ugh, not did, did you see it? No, I didn't see it. Oh, it was uh honestly and and the fact that I'm saying this about a Pixar movie should carry some weight. Don't waste your time with it. Wow. Like it's that it's the most it's probably the most disappointing Pixar movie I've ever seen out of all of them. Wow. Yeah, it's it's uh oh, it's it's rough. It didn't make my worst of or honorable dishonorable mentions or anything, but it was it was just it was such a downer, such a disappointment. Uh but yeah, so but that's a good pick for number 6. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so my number six is a movie that I had heard about, heard about on some podcasts and saw that it was making some best of lists and everything. It's a movie called Victoria. Um, it's, uh, I believe a German movie. It was, it was filmed in Berlin. It was, uh, I can't say much about it, but what I will say is that it's, it's about a woman from, uh, uh, oh my God, uh, Spain who is in Berlin and she meets some people in 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 Berlin basically and the the hook for this movie is that it was filmed it's a 2 hour and 18 minute movie and it is filmed in one take the entire the entirety of it is filmed in one take like this this movie was filmed 3 times all all one take this the movie that we see is the second the second take that they took of it wow um and that that's it doesn't come across as gimmicky or anything like that it's just it's a very unique thing to watch and I won't give anything away about the plot or anything, but I will say that it's once you get, once the movie, once the movie gets going, it, it kind of has a rough like 20, 30 minutes uh, at the beginning. But if you stick with it and once the plot kind of unfurls before you, it's, I mean, it's, it's one of the most incredible achievements in cinema I've seen um, 
and and maybe ever. I mean, it, it wow. was just it was mind boggling to me how they could manage to do what they did. I mean, it was just it was just it, it floored me. It it floored me so much, and it was so so interesting and so such a unique viewing experience for me. Um, and I, I absolutely loved it. And I can't really talk much more about it, but, um, it go, it goes some places that I didn't really expect it to go. And I didn't expect, um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't take, or, or it doesn't take it easy on the actors in, in the movie basically. Hmm. Um, so it being one take is one of the most, one of the most jaw dropping achievements I've seen in, in, in a film this, this year, definitely. Um, wow. Yeah. And that's called Victoria. I rented it on Google play. It's available on VOD and all that stuff. So you can check it out, but it's, it's just, it's a movie that really inspires some, some, it's, it's an inspiring movie. Cause if you think about it, like seeing all of these, all of these things happen on film uh, throughout the course of the movie. And like, I was just thinking like, uh, like just the sheer technicality of it. Like there's no, there's, they're not setting up shots. They're not setting up, they're not blocking characters or blocking actors to, to fit a frame. They're not adjusting lighting as they go. They're not doing any of that. It's all them just going at it and, and doing their thing. And it's just, it's remarkable. The achievement that was made with it. It's just, it's, it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. So yeah, so that's Victoria. That's my number six. Um, yeah, it's, Definitely watch it, guys. <laughs> I am very intrigued. Right. Yeah, yeah, good to know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on to number five. Uh, already mentioned Mad Max Fury Road, uh, which we discussed in episode 130. Um, I, we were pretty critical of it when we, when we reviewed it. Um, we were. And, and I've, I've just thought about it over the past couple months, and, and I really I, – I just couldn't leave it off the list, I guess. That's the best way to put it. Um, Again, I think I think some of it was maybe I should have I should have revisited it, and and I'm not sure that I was in the best frame of mind when I was watching it because uh, I was basically forcing my girlfriend to watch it with me, <laughs> uh, so I was kind of worried about how she was experiencing it. She ended up she thought it was super weird, but she it like held her attention really well, and she was like I couldn't look away, so mm-hmm. it, it ended up being okay. But um, uh, Mike Mike mentioned the uh, the plot issue with it, and and that's I think that that was my biggest gripe is that I think you can still have as equally a visually stunning film uh, and still have a good plot <laughs> that you can follow. It, like, it's it's capable of doing both, and they didn't. Um, so that's that's a pretty big gripe on my part. But I I don't want to take everything away from it because of that. I don't want that to disqualify it from a top ten list. Um, because everything else about the movie, I thought was just remarkable. Um, I, I again, Mike mentioned Furiosa. I think it, I think it should have been called Furiosa Mad Max Road uh, because yeah. of how awesome <laughs> she was. Um, she she kind of supplanted Mad Max as the new character. Um, so I th- there's there's so many great things to say about the movie. Um, uh, I love the amount of real flames they used in this movie. Um, uh, I, I'm stealing everything Mike said. The the big, <laughs> the, uh, the practical effects are back, and they're back in a big way, and I am so happy with that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a great thing. Um, it's a cool movie. I can't wait to see it again. I've only seen it the one time. Um, I think everyone should go see it, and I think it's. I don't think I need to do a lot of justifying because I think like I think it's going to be on a lot of top ten lists from from this year, uh, right. and, and rightfully so. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Michael. 
That brings us to uh, number five, which is the other uh, of the two, the better of the two uh, music biopics, and that's Love and Mercy. Nice. And this was a super under-the-radar movie. Uh, I, it was not something I anticipated to see or even enjoy all that much, and we kind of went on a day trip to Holiday World, and we let Jake's brother pick the movie. He was really excited about Love and Mercy, and so we were like, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people are either Beatles fans or um, Beach Boys fans, and I, I'm pretty pretty clearly a Beatles fan. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't think that there was a whole lot in this movie for me, mm-hmm. um, but I was way wrong. And so have you guys seen the movie? Unfortunately, no. It was the no. last movie I saw in 2015, and oh, awesome. solely because of your comments about it. And uh, yeah. yeah, well, well, let me a second. Um, so what what I loved so much about it is, I, you know, I'm also not a big John Cusack fan, and so mm-hmm. that was kind of uh, a drawback for me. But going in, he's great. Uh, but even more than that is. Paul Dano, who, you know, a couple years ago was supposed to be the next big thing. And I think, unfortunately, because uh, he's kind of goofy looking, he's not really the leading man type. And, and I, he hasn't exploded like a lot of people uh, thought he would. Man, what he brings to the character of, of young Brian Wilson um, is really something special. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the scenes where he, he is orchestrating past Sounds the Beach Boys kind of uh, magnum opus um, were were breathtaking. I mean, it was like I could have watched an entire movie about just the recording of Pet Sounds and seeing him orchestrate every little thing and how he could just hear all the sounds in his head and kind of feel the song and tell the the players on the album to do this and that. That was uh, that was really a special thing. And I knew early on the scene that for me. Um, that movie, that movie was going to be at least in my top ten, and end up being a, a surprise number five. Um, it's not one that I've been able to come back around to, so it might be a little unfair that it's higher than some of the other ones that have that I've kind of seen again and then knocked down a few. But uh, I, I really think Love and Mercy is is. So there's always a movie every year where I think. Like after this year, it's going to stick with me and I'm going to remember for a long time. I think last year was Prisoners. Um, maybe it was the year before that. I don't know. I think that was this the year. year what's that? I think that was the year before. Because, sorry. It was the year before. Anyway, th- this year is Love and Mercy. I think it's a movie that I'm going to come back to a lot and enjoy later on down the line because it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I got a lot more out of it than I thought that I would. And also, uh, you were coming in a little choppy there, so I, I apologize to the listeners. It was just, you know, uh, you know, no. Skype. But anyway. Sorry about that. Oh, you're fine. You're fine now. But anyway, um, nothing we could have done to fix it. But anyway, yeah. um, so I, I, I got a lot more out of it than I thought I, than I thought I would. Um, and Paul Dano was just everything that you said. I was spot on, spot on. Just, he was amazing. He's so good. He's, he's so good. He's, he's incredible. He's, ah, and yeah. And John Cusack did a lot more, a, a lot better than I thought he would too. Cause I've never, I've never really, I don't dislike him, but it's, he's never really stood out to me. And right. uh, yeah. And I just, I, I really, I really, really enjoyed the movie. Um, but I think the, the actual, I guess the, it didn't really hook me, uh, cause I'm not a music 
guy or anything. Um, so that kind of just, it, it didn't really resonate with me. Um, yeah. So that, that's why gotcha. I didn't make my list, but yeah. yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see it, uh, despite John Cusack and because mm-hmm. of Paul Dano. Right. <laughs> yeah, I've been a huge Paul Dano fan for the last decade, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Okay. So that brings me to my number five, which is, uh, The Martian, actually. Uh, which is a movie that we reviewed with, uh, Fekus on one episode 132. Um, I also wrote a, written, uh, wrote a review for the website about it. And, uh, man, I, I kind of wish that I could have seen this again before I compiled my list. Um, it's, it's such a gripping, a gripping survival movie. And I love the way that it managed the, the two, the two different, uh, storylines basically running concurrently uh that was kind of a to show both sides of both sides of the rescue operation or the or the uh, uh the story going on simultaneously was was really a good way to construct the narrative and everything and it, it fit the it fit the book and it was transferred well to film um again it's not i hate saying that it's not a perfect movie because i, I want I want it to be, because <laughs> um, it's it's right in my wheelhouse of interests, and it's it's I mean it was knocked out of the park totally, pretty much across the board. Um, so, some of it, some of its shortcomings is I I I just I just didn't like Donald Glover in it. I thought that he was oh, such yeah. he, that was disappointing. Yeah, he was. Such, I really don't like Donald Glover all that much anymore. You know, as separated from Community, I, I yeah, I'm not really. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't really come down as not being a fan of him. It's just, I'm, his name doesn't really hold much weight with me if it's not attached to community, really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and his scene was just, it was just, it was just off. Like it, it was, um, it was just, it was, it, de- it derailed the movie for me a little bit. But, um, and also I felt the movie was a little too message heavy, uh, with, uh, it's kind of plea for, um, uh, NASA to be funded and all that. It, it was kind of, they, they played a little bit, they played the, the uh, monumentous nature, the monumental nature of, um, of what was going on a little bit too much. And that just kind of just to, that just detracted a little bit from me, uh, from the movie for me. And, but with those, those minor blemishes aside, I freaking loved this movie. It was such a fun, uh, grip, like, like I said, gripping, intense movie. And, uh, Matt Damon was just, <laughs> he was, he was at some of his best in recent years. And I really, really, uh, really enjoyed it. And that's The Martian. And it's my number five. Nice. Yes. Well, uh, moving on to number four. Uh, un- again, unfortunately, I already mentioned, straight out of Compton. Um, <laughs> We reviewed this in episode 127, uh, again, very extensively dug deep into this movie. Um, I, I just love the importance of it. Um, I, I've been a fan of gangster rap since the early 90s when a lot of this stuff was going on. Uh, I was just a kid. I probably shouldn't have been a fan of it because um, <laughs> I was five, six, seven years old. Um, but I, I, I just I, I think rap music and gangster rap has a lot of presence to it, and it's, um, it's, it is genuinely american in in a good way and a bad way i think um i don't want to necessarily get into that but mm-hmm. i i just i don't know i f- i feel like as as a society we sort of 
we sort of own the claim on rap music, and it's kind of cool that some of the genesis of it was documented in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I liked I liked seeing that. I liked seeing behind the curtain of that. That was that was really interesting to me. Um, and, and I I think you know the rap is so representative of an entire subculture of of our country that it's important that it's documented and it's it's something that should be paid attention to and i find it really interesting i think it's i think it's an it's an important movie for a lot of people uh culturally and i think they represented it pretty well um some of the shortcomings that matt mentioned like the stuff with easy was a little a little sappy i think a little hokey Mm -hmm. at the end I, i agree with that um but uh, but overall, I just think it was a very. I just thought it was a really cool exploration of that, that that subculture of, of uh, of American culture. I I just enjoyed it. Um, the performances were awesome. I, I love the performances. Um, yeah, I mean, again, dive into our episode uh, number one twenty seven where we discussed it. Um, I hate to just rehash everything. Um, <laughs> But uh, I love Straight Outta Compton. Um, it's going to be one of the movies I think I purchase on DVD from this year, uh, definitely. Nice. So, good movie. Very nice. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, Mike, what's your number four? We're in a number four. This was one of Tiny's honorable mentions. Uh, this is a rare February movie, or was it January? I don't know. Kingsman Secret Service. Definitely February. <laughs> but yeah. Which is usually the doldrums, right? Mm-hmm. Bad, bad movies. Um, and I saw this movie again later on in the year, and it held up just the same. It was super fun spy movie. In the trailers, I was a little worried that I wasn't gonna um, really appreciate uh, the main character Eggy all that much, and mm-hmm. um, I really do, or Eggsy. <laughs> right? And I really did. I liked him a lot. I thought Colin Firth was. Excellent. I think that scene in the church is one of my favorite scenes of the year. Um, what I think I liked most about this movie was uh, how different it was from the comics. So something that um, they do nowadays is when they know uh, they want to make a movie, a group, a couple people want to make a movie, and, and they can't quite pitch it first, they pitch a comic book. And so a comic book gets made, and you can kind of tell those comic books are really just – um, the first step to getting a movie made, and so basically that's what happened with Kingsman. Uh, mm-hmm. Kingsman was written. It's I, I read maybe an issue or two and really didn't like it, um, and so recognized the movie, but recognized also that it was different. Um, very excited about it. I loved X Men First Class. I was excited to see what Matthew Vaughn would do next, and uh, I think he I think he knocked it out of the park. Really, really fun, really good action movie. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I totally, I totally, totally get that. I totally agree. Uh, for the most part, I, I, I had some issues. I wouldn't even really call them issues. It, it just didn't really sit quite as well with me. Um, I, I mean, I love the action that, that church scene in particular was incredible, not just as a, well, I'll, I'll probably talk about that later if we, if we do that section. But anyway, um, it, it just kind of seemed like when they got to a certain point, it was like, I think Matthew Vaughn actually said that um, he wanted to take everything to eleven as much as possible, and I think yeah. that that was kind of to the detriment in the in the last act of the movie because it seemed like, like the implications of the things that happen are a little bit like, if you think about it, 
you don't even really have to think that hard about it. It's just, it's kind of screwed up and it's kind of just, it's, it's, it really just kind of made me feel like uneasy really. Um, but yeah, so that, that's something that I can really reconcile with it. And also the, uh, the, the, the final joke of the movie kind of got a lot of flack or got a lot of flack, um, with him and the, and the princess and everything, which I mean, it is what it is, but, I think that yeah, I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, and, and it was, and it was, it was in keeping with the, um, <laughs> with with the spy genre and the and the severe misogynistic undertones of the spy genre. So I think that it's mo- more just a reaction to our current uh, culture, which I think is great. The kind of feminist kind of kind of thing going on, like like people are super into feminism right now. And yeah. that's great. That's, that's fantastic. And to an extent, I, I totally get why they would really dislike the ending of this movie. And I, I, you know, honestly, I think I agree with them. It's just that the issue I have with it is like, they could do that. They can, they can do what they did. And I'm being vague because spoilers or whatever. And I'll, I'll, this is almost done, but um, they can, they can do what they did, but it's a play on old style, like bond, um, innuendo at the end. And I think that the part that I don't like about it is that there's no, there's no innuendo with it. It's at all. It's just so in your face with what, how they handle it. And, um, well, it's turned out to 11. Yeah. And that's, and I mean, if they're going to pay homage to Bond and everything, do it in a way that's, that's paying homage to the, <laughs> to the, uh, to the wordplay. Like that's, that's what it comes down to really is I'm a fan of wordplay and puns and stuff like that. And I wanted a pun. I didn't want, I didn't want what they gave me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's a minor nitpick, but uh, I totally see why it's, why it's so high on your list. And I, uh, yeah, I just wanted to get on that little bit of a soapbox, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that brings us to my number four, which is Ex Machina, uh, which we talked about in episodes 119 and 122. Uh, we talked about it uh, in Tiny's Honorable Mentions, I believe. Um, mm. Mike, you haven't talked about it yet, have you? I have not. Okay, interesting. Anyway, um, <laughs> I adore Ex Machina. I'm a huge fan of Alex Garland. I, I love, uh, Donald Gleason. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, and also Oscar Isaac. I mean, my God, he, he's, he's had a hell of a year. <laughs> um, a hell of a couple of years. Yeah. And, wow. and I need to go back and watch, uh, uh Inside Lewin Davis and, uh, yeah. A Most Violent Year, actually. Um, so Ex Machina does what, uh, what I want out of science fiction. It's contemplative and, uh, it populates, it's populated in a world where uh, this extraordinary thing is happening and it's, it's from the viewpoint of the people that are doing this extraordinary thing. So it yields some just absolutely fascinating, um, pieces of dialogue between these two characters talking about this, the implications of AI and, and what the work that they're doing. And it's, it's something that le- left me with so much to chew on. Um, uh, and, and it was just such a great experience. Um, I did, I, I, I mean, I had, I had an issue with it with the development of Donald Gleason's character with, uh, Alicia Vikander's character, but, uh, small nitpicks aside, this was just a tremendous, tremendous movie and she did a wonderful job. Um, the movie kind of hinges on her performance and she just knocked it out of the freaking park. Um, and I'm really excited to see what she does in the future. She actually was in, 
She was in a couple other movies this year, uh, The Danish Girl and uh, The Man from Uncle, which I didn't see The Man from Uncle, and I wasn't too crazy about The Danish Girl, but Ex Machina was just an incredible, incredible movie, and that's why it's my number four. And I loved it, and I own it on Blu-ray, and I will revisit it uh, probably several times in the in the future. Nice. Yeah. Wow. So All right, so here comes the top three. Yes, top three. Yes. Top three. Uh, my number three... Um has already been discussed by the other two guys. Uh, it is the it is the Martian, um, nice. which we reviewed in episode one thirty two uh, with Robert Feckus. Um, I really loved this movie so much, and uh, I think I think how Matt talked about sci fi with Ex Machina is kind of how I feel about sci fi with the Martian. Okay, um, a, a lot nice. of the a lot of the stuff that you took issue with being how they you said it was kind of message heavy how they had all that. Uh, you know how how NASA should be and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I I kind of had the opposite reaction to it. I you saw it as kind of uh, message heavy. I saw it as like inspirational, mm-hmm. and 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 I I saw it that way because it's fiction. Um, <clears throat> and you know it's there's tons of stuff you know in in a fictitious world that's not like the one we live in. You know it's it's that that's kind of what I appreciated about it. Um, it was cool to see what what NASA could be. Um, and that's what mm-hmm. that's what I loved about it. Also, what the the American conscience towards scientific exploration could be as well. Um, I think if that happened today, where an astronaut got <clears throat> excuse me, uh, where an astronaut got stranded somewhere, uh, it it wouldn't be that big of a news story. Um, one of the Kardashians would do something, and it would take over. <laughs> um, it's it would just be unfortunate, you know. There's not really a spoiler there's there's a part where there are thousands of people in times square watching a jumbotron Mm -hmm. you know seeing what's going to happen with this astronaut and that was just so inspirational to me i got a little choked up during some of that stuff uh it was just so cool um i loved all that and like i said it was just inspirational for me um but you know i i totally get what you're saying i'm not i'm not trying to take that like say that's a wrong opinion or anything it's just that's just uh we just reacted differently to it um I I really loved the uh all of the isolation the depiction of all the isolation um it's it's very different and then isolation is so often portrayed very negatively and and, and very very uh solemnly as it should be because isolation is a scary thing and it's it, it's it's incredibly powerful um but to see the way that Matt Damon's character sort of embraced his solitude in this movie and didn't let it defeat him pretty much. Uh, again, it was inspirational and I, I loved that. That was a really good creative choice and I, I connected to that wholeheartedly and I really just love that part. Um, I think there's, you know, like with a lot of science fiction, there's, there's fiction. There's, there's some very far fetched physics in this movie, I think. <laughs> um, but at, at the end of the day, it was just really fun to watch. Um, I, I just had a great time with it. It's uh, I think I referred to it in our our other review uh, in episode one thirty two. I I referred to it as a borderline comedy because uh, <laughs> it's just so funny. There was just so much comedy in the movie that I absolutely adored. Um, it was just a great movie. I, I don't think it really felt like a like a really Scott movie either. Right. I, I think it, it didn't necessarily have his signature on it. It was uh, some things, yes, but I thought it was a pretty uh, a pretty standalone 
movie in that respect. Uh, it it just I I didn't I didn't detect a lot of Ridley Scott in it. I guess, um, and that's that's kind of a good thing because I think his his movies as of late have gotten a bit repetitive mm. um, and and kind of kind of just slaps his signature on it and it's it doesn't have a lot of heart in it. I don't think his style has a lot of heart in it as of late, but but this movie had a heart all over the place. Um, right, and he it didn't fit the uh, well, and it it was a different kind of space movie from him. It's his third space movie, basically, from Alien mm-hmm. to Prometheus to now The Martian. It's nice to see him play with um, science fiction in such a grounded way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and also I think that you need to give humanity a little bit more credit. Um, they yeah, won't maybe. be. They won't. They won't be. They won't be watching. Yeah, Kim, I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, they won't be watching Kardashians. They'll be watching The Bachelor or something. Um, <laughs> but no, no, I yeah. Um, yeah, maybe I'm cynical in that respect. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, Mike, how about your number three? Uh, once again, we sound like a broken record. Uh, <laughs> we talked about this movie. Uh, number three for me is Creed. Nice. Um. And I am a self-proclaimed Rocky fan. I, I've loved Rocky for a long time, and, and Rocky has been in my top three movies of all time for a very long time. Um, nice. I was excited for Rocky Balboa when that came out, and, and I liked it a lot. Um, but what I love is how different Creed was. And I'm going to borrow a little bit from my little blurb. Um I think I might call 2015 the year of characters and like none of my top 10 movies are really all that intricate, intricate or uh, especially fresh plot wise. But um, what I can say about all of them is, is that some of the characters are just so great. And Michael B. Jordan's Adonis uh, Donnie Johnson is, is probably my favorite character uh, of the year or, or definitely a top two favorite character of the year um i've heard creed be called a lega sequel which is kind of interesting i think i think it's a kind of a fun word to call it um and and i think that's good i think that's a a correct uh uh name um i I think it's the start of a new generation but i also think it's kind of rocky seven but kind of doesn't hinge too much on on rocky plot um i could i could watch five more movies about uh, 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 Adonis mm-hmm. um, and be satisfied. It was, it's definitely, definitely number three Creed. Nice. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, and I do, I, <laughs> I, I like the term legacy sequel a lot. I don't know who coined it. It's some, some, somewhere on the internet, someone coined it, but um, I, I like it and it's, and we see it, in, but it's kind of a, kind of a, a, a renaming of basically reboot or <laughs> sequel. Yeah, it's or, the same. It's right. the same thing, different uh, word. But Well, it's know. not It's not so much a reboot. Uh, you know, a remake is where they take something and redo it. A reboot is right. like a franchise and they're starting again. Um, but a legacy sequel is cool because it's kind of like a start over, but it's also just part whatever, part right. Star Wars was this is a legacy sequel. Right. Uh, so my number three, uh, is one we already talked about, uh, inside out. It's, I mean, like I said to Mike, it's, it was so refreshing to see Pixar do a, a, an original property and, and something that plays to their strengths of creating a, a, creating a story out of something that's, that's 
that's so inventive and so unique that it's and they just knocked it out of the park with with it and it was i felt feelings when watching it and it was just and it, it carries such a nice message about um allowing bad feelings to to take over in order to deal with uh situations and things like that not being afraid of 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 really uh of of dealing with bad situations basically and i i just love the the way that it was delivered. It was just such a, such an inventive movie and uh, a movie that I absolutely loved. Um, I actually need to see it again for a, a long time. It was my number one for the year, but um, I, I had settled at number three and I'm super happy and I'm happy to see Pixar have that this year because yeah, like, well, like I said before, the good dinosaur, ugh, that was, that was so disappointing, but Dinosaurs have been rough on Pixar this year, <laughs> right? Like Jurassic World made it so Pixar was the first with not number one, or Inside Out was the first non-number one. Yeah, that's right. You know? Yeah, the good dinosaur was just not good. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, it's it's a shame, but at least they had Inside Out, and it's it's a quality Pixar product, and um, I was totally totally along with it, and I I loved it, and um, that's my number three. So tiny. Yes, the runner-up uh, for me yes. maybe a surprising uh, entry for this uh, number is uh, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force <gasps> Awakens. It was not my number one. It was my number Whoa. two for the year. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah. Interesting. In- interesting. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, I think it would have made my top three despite seeing every single movie that came out this year. I think it still would have been in my top three um, just because I loved it so much. Um, it was my uh, best first viewing of the year. It was the best time I yes. had seeing a movie for the first time the whole year. I mean, just we, we recounted the experience uh, last week in our last episode, um, OV146. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what else I can say that we didn't say in our last episode. Um, <laughs> we uh, we had a non-spoiler section and a spoiler section. I, I, think, I think we balanced that pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, we went really in-depth and really addressed everything in the the spoiler section um I, I was pretty proud of our discussion i think we i think we was one of our better discussions um i agree i i just i love the movie so much it just it was such a return to form for the uh for the franchise it, you know we we talked about how it's it's funny that it was such a return to form but we all we get are some characters back and we don't like there like i said there, there's no tatooine on this there's no uh there's no hoth or uh, indoor or anything. It was just a whole new setting, new time. We get back some characters, but everything else is new. Uh, but it feels like a return to form. Whereas the prequels were took place with all the same characters and all the same planets. Um, <laughs> but that was not, that was such a different thing. Um, so I was really, really glad that I loved the movie. It was pretty hard that I, it was pretty much a given that I was going to love the movie. Um, but, but I'm glad, I'm glad that I can defend it. Um, the characters, uh, Mike mentioned this, the characters were just unbelievable. Um, the, a lot of people have mentioned the, the, the parallels or like what some people call the blatant ripoffs of, <laughs> of, uh, A New Hope, the, the original mm-hmm. Star Wars film. Um, it does follow the same pacing and the same beats and a lot of the same, um, a lot of the, kind of the same, aspects of that movie I, I i can i can understand how people came to that conclusion and i don't necessarily disagree with it but um 
I think it really made it its own. It it really sets itself apart from the other six films uh, while paying homage to them at the same time. Um, I, I love the movie. Uh, I'm really excited about the new characters, and uh, I, I don't want to get into spoilers here, um, but please yeah, listen definitely. to our last episode where we really went in-depth on The Force Awakens. Um, I, I just absolutely loved it, and I'm so, so glad that Star Wars is back. We're back in that. We're back in that galaxy, far, far away. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Number two. I can't, <laughs> I was gonna make a snarky joke, but yeah, totally respectable there. You've made your snarky joke. Um, I have. Time I? has passed. <laughs> Misa, sorry. So, <laughs> Mike, how about your number two, buddy? <laughs> uh, my t- number two is not Star Wars. My number two is uh, Ex Machina, which you nice. talked about. We've already talked about. Uh, and I made a point to say at kind of the halfway through the year point, I said this over the summer, that I hope that it's a movie that we don't forget about come the end of the year. And I'm glad to see, excuse me, I'm glad to see that people have not forgotten about it because um, it's it's really great. It's really fresh. Sci-fi. You were talking about how mm-hmm. not everything Donald Gleason did um, kind of spoke to you. Mm-hmm. But what... Uh, I, I listened to him this morning on the Nerdist hmm. podcast, and uh, he talked about how difficult the role was in kind of inhibiting, uh, inhabiting, excuse me, all of these different uh, types of a person, right? So, like, he hmm. has to be normal enough that he can stand in as you, smart enough that he would be picked to do this sort of thing, uh, romantic and foolish enough that he would fall for this girl, but also strange and weird enough that you might think for a second that he's also a robot. And right. so he talked the, about the process of, of what that was like and, and how he had to think of all those things at one time. And um, just hearing that, like I, I didn't have a problem with his performance or, or that role at all, but mm-hmm. um, hearing that made me uh, in fact appreciate it a little bit more. Right. I, and I really liked that episode of the Nerdist as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I I love that movie. <laughs> I just I I just do. It, it's it's fantastic. So that's a respectable yeah. number two. I I I like that. Um, so that brings me to mine, right? Yep. Uh, my runner-up for movie of the year, basically for the top movie of the year. Uh, my number two is Room, which I was able to see at at Keystone Art. Thankfully, uh, they they had it for a while. Um. Man, this this freaking movie is such an emotionally devastating experience. Um, basically, it's a it's a movie about um, a mother and her son who are being held captive in a small shed, and basically, the 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 kid's entire life has been that room. So he has no like he he doesn't he like he doesn't have context for the outside world or anything that's his entire world and so his perspective is so skewed and the movie does such a spectacular job of showcasing why or or how that uh, how that has affected his upbringing and how it affects the mental the mental health of his mother who um is played so spectacularly well by uh, Brie Larson she just is is so great at conveying the pain the the damaged pain of her character while also trying everything she can to keep him from harm and keep him from uh being really aware of what of what 
the truth is of their life basically and it's it's a it's it's such a, a an effectively a, such an such a such a beautifully well done balance balancing act on her part from from an acting perspective and the kid uh jacob tremblay is outstanding i mean it's 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 phenomenal like um I, I, they, the, this was touched on in a, in a couple of podcasts I listened to, but it, no one's really, no one's really run with it in, as far as discussion goes, but it's, it's so good. Uh, Jacob Tremblay is so freaking good in it that it really makes you wonder whether you can, you can qualify that as an incredible acting performance by a young child actor or if it's an incredible directing job from a, 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 an incredibly talented director to get that performance out of him. I mean, well, it's, I mean, it's clearly the combination of both. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, but, we, we've seen one and the other. So I, I think we, you have to say, I haven't even seen the movie, but, I, <laughs> but I'm getting the only way to get that result is that it's a combination of both of those. Right. But it's, it's just a question of which one is the stronger of it. And it, it's just, I don't know. It, it was, it's a movie that I, I teared up at, several times and it was just such a such a powerful movie um and i'm i'm just i'm so excited and hopeful that it'll get some recognition come award season because it it, i i think it was nominated for some golden globes but hopefully it gets some great attention at the oscars um not that i really give much weight to the oscars but uh such such a great movie and it's my number two and i i talked about it Briefly on episode 140, by the way. Nice. Whew, in a potpourri section. So, Tiny, why don't you bring us into your number one? Yes. Uh, my number one is a movie that I was really glad I got to see that I kind of needed to see uh, on Sunday. Uh, it is the movie Spotlight. Um, we haven't mentioned this in a previous uh, episode or right. anything, so this is kind of our initial thoughts about it. Um, and I said that I needed to see the movie, and, and the reason is because it's – my reaction to this movie is incredibly personal because mm-hmm. um, I kind of a peek behind the curtain. I grew up Catholic and part of the, part of the emphasis on this film is how Catholicism is an institution. Uh, there, there is a very strict hierarchy of how things work. Um, there's, it, it's a, it is a system. It, it's a systemic process for how people worship and maintain their faith. Um, and that's something that I was not very aware of when I was, uh, when I was a, a respective Catholic, when I was really, uh, in the faith when I was younger. Um, it's only when I branched out and started going to a public school and, and, and I made some friends that weren't Catholic that I did, I kind of realized that. Um, and, and I think, the way that the conspiracy is unfolded in this movie really peels back those layers and, and exposes how how this was unaddressed for so many years and so many decades and, and how it got buried even by the people that it happened to. Um, by all rights, this should have been a massive conspiracy. It never should have been able to get as big as it did. Um, but through that systemic process it was it was able to just be pushed aside and swept under the rug um and that's just something that i've experienced as a catholic before so i i was really i was kind of invested in this movie before i even saw it um so i i just there's so much personal stuff in this movie for me that it's hard for me to separate it but 
I, I can I can totally defend it as as an amazing movie too. Um, the uh, the pacing of the film is so well done. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about a bunch of uh, investigative reporters looking into documents. That's mostly what it is. I mean, there's there's interviews as well uh, with with some victims and things like that, which are so heartbreaking and hard to watch and just awful things also really amazing uh humanity on the screen during those moments but uh it's it's a lot of writing and, and digging through records and it's something that should be i think you know your average moviegoer would find it a little boring mm-hmm. um but but i was i i think they made all that stuff hugely interesting and they, they kept it all pertinent to the story um there was next to no monotony in this film i i think i think they sort of let their characters be sort of, um, sort of, sort of not, I wouldn't say plain, but maybe not as deep as you would sort of want with this kind of movie. Um, I, I certainly felt connection to, um, uh, Mark Ruffalo's character and, and, and all those, um, uh, geez, why can't I think of his name? Um, Batman, uh, Michael Keaton. Thank you, Michael Keaton. Uh, <laughs> I felt connection to all those characters and I thought they were, they were developed to an extent, but you know, the, the juiciest thing in this movie was this conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just a scene in particular where, where Mark Ruffalo's character has this, he has this eruption, he has this outburst and he, I'm paraphrasing, but he says something along the lines of, because we're not going to let them get away with this. These people have to pay for what they did and we can't keep letting this happen. And he just explodes. And, I, I think I connected with this movie so much because that's exactly how I felt when all this came out. Um, and, and that's, this is based on a true story and that true story had a huge impact on who I am as a person. Uh, and, and to see it explored so thoroughly and, and, and so, so damningly in this movie was just, just meant so much. It really just meant so much to me. Um, and, and I love how they didn't, they didn't shy away from the fact that there was a lot of, uh, questionable decisions amongst the journalists in this. Um, they they didn't just paint mm-hmm. these people as as perfect heroes who uncovered the story and, and 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 never gave up. And you know it wasn't it wasn't feel good in that way. They they were very flawed and they they could have done things very differently. And and, and they they made some mistakes along the way and they didn't they didn't shy away from that. But I just I think it's such an important movie. Uh, this. The, the the real life story had the unfortunate uh had an unfortunate timing issue it happened uh the the story right. came out right around 911 we were all so just everyone in the world was scared to death of 911 that this story got a little buried because of that uh and that's very unfortunate so i'm glad that at a time like this the movie can come out and i think it's going to find the story is going to find a whole new thread and i hope it gets exposed to so many more people cuz it's a story that that I think needs to be heard, and it's it's incredibly important. Uh, it it has an effect on the entire world. You know, the the billion people around the world who are Catholics. Um, it's it's a big deal, and I, I think the movie was just incredibly well done. It just meant so much to me. That spotlight. No comment. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Mike. What's your uh, what's your number one? <laughs> Uh, I haven't seen Spotlight, so mm. uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, man, I hate to be terribly obvious, but mine is Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Nice. Uh, 
it was always Star Wars. It was always going to be Star Wars. If Phantom Menace was released this year, Phantom Menace would be my number one. Um, <laughs> and so whatever that does to my credibility, I, I have to say that I don't care because, um, I mean, Star Wars is such a huge part of my world that um, to not call it my favorite movie of the year is to say that who I thought I have always been is not necessarily the case. If I would have said, well, it's the number two, you know, I, I, I love being on this show and I definitely think of myself as an obsessive viewer, but, um, what, when I rank what my interests are, uh, I think, do I like what more star Wars or movies? And the answer is clearly star Wars. Um, and so to pick a better movie might make more sense and give me a little credibility. I, I understand that there are problems with Star Wars. I understand that it's basically a new hope again, but Force Awakens is just so important to me that it, it can't not be Star Wars, The Force Awakens, as my number one movie of the year. And it really was my favorite. It, it, it really, I mean, uh, obviously it's not The Phantom Menace, so I'm, it has that going for it, but it was so much more. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a line that that uh, that Matt complimented me on uh, for my little blog post. I, I talk about how you know pick any two of the new characters uh, and any two characters from the old movies, and the chemistry is better in the new mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. awesome as it was to see all the old things come back and all the nods to things for, you know, uh, uh, hardcore fans and also just casual fans of the series. And there was a lot of those types of things. I mean, the, the, the spectrum, uh, was really vast in, in terms of the types of references different people would get. What I loved most is how well done the characters were and how, and how special they were to this movie and to the world. Um, I like that anybody can go in and you're familiar with these new characters and they feel fresh, but they also feel lived in and they feel important. And, and every kid can have a new favorite character uh, like kids did in the 70s and we did later on in the 90s seeing them again. And, um, you know, as a younger generation did when the prequels came out. I Personally, I love Poe Dameron. I think he's... Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome and and he is every bit as special to me now as Han Solo was the first time I saw Star Wars. Um, again, to go back to that chemistry, I, I particularly enjoyed the chemistry between Finn and Rey specifically. Um, and like I said, I, I think the chemistry rivals the chemistry of any two characters in any of the other movies. Uh, and I would say that that goes the same for uh, Finn and Poe. There's a meme that's going around of of uh, Oscar Isaac's face and he's looking at Finn as he notices that Finn is wearing his old jacket. Uh, and the meme says something like, I wish I had somebody to look at me the same way that Poe looks at Finn in his jacket. Aww. Uh, and I just love, I mean, there are, of course there will be a million memes coming out after the movie, but mm-hmm. I love that that was the first one I saw and just, that it, it it spoke about interactions between these characters. Um, I loved The Force Awakens so much. I, I seen it three times, and I truly can't wait to see it again. Um, it's I I think 
Uh, I'm sorry I'm taking so much time on it. Oh, you, no, you guys kind of got a chance to talk about it, and I, and I obviously wasn't there to talk about it because I was busy. But um, if I'm if I'm ranking it, I, I think it's better than Jedi. I mean, I think it's my third uh, favorite Star Wars movie. It was nice. just it was just a special movie, uh, a special experience, and and easily my favorite movie of the year. Number one. Very well said. And uh, I agree completely. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, – yeah, and that's another thing that it's – the reason why I love d- that we do what we do here is that we're not professional film critics or anything. And like you said, like if it if it ruins your credibility or whatever, I don't think that it does because that's part of what we do here is we talk about how the movies affect us emotionally and everything. And that's yeah. – I mean that's just spot on. And like, man – Poe, I, I love Poe, and like yeah, all the character interactions are just fantastic, um, and and like there are scenes where like Finn, Finn and Ray have a scene where they they're both excited and celebrating like them doing something exciting, mm-hmm. and it's so genuine. And then Poe and uh, Finn have a, a similar kind of scene where they where they find each other again, and it's just so. Like that energy is just sustained throughout the entire movie between all these new characters, and I I love that, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about the franchise going forward. Yeah. So Thank yeah, you. so that's a good that's a good, that's a that's a solid number one there, Mike. Um, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So that Couldn't brings. Couldn't have been any other way. Right. Right. I'm um, just glad that I have more credibility than Mike. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. It just means that I love Star Wars more. No. I mean actually yeah, you probably you probably do, honestly. No, it's not a contest. We all we all love Star Wars except for Matt. Yes. It was seven on my list. Anyway, um <laughs> Anyway, so my number one uh movie of the year is a movie that uh it, it's spotlight. Um, <laughs> as well, and Tiny, you freaking knocked it so far out of the park in that in that assessment of it. So, Thank you. Um, I don't have as strong of a personal connection to this movie, um, but I do. I I freaking appreciate so much about this movie in in terms of what it accomplishes and what what it says about uh, something that is just deplorable and and just so so disgusting. Really, the way that it handles the story is is so. Gripping and like Tiny said, it, it, it's it's a pretty dry movie in terms of it's a, it's a procedural basically. It's, it goes through the motions and everything, but it's on one hand, it's something that you never see anymore. This this hard hitting yeah. journalism kind of like this is I when I came out of it, I came out of it thinking this movie is a mixture of all the President's Men and The Wire, mm-hmm. and I mean it just it shines so well. It's spotlight, um, right? Yeah, so, spotlight, right? Unintentional, but um, and it's it's magnificent. Um, Tiny spoke to a lot of what I love about it as well, but also I want to point out that the performances are outstanding. Um, Most notably for me personally is there are scenes where the reporters are interviewing victims of abuse, and there's like in those moments, like there's like maybe cumulatively there's like maybe it's it's maybe like it's less than ten percent of the movie I would say. And in that 10%, it's, I mean, it's some of the best acting by these, by these small supporting actors that are on screen for maybe three or four minutes of the, uh, total. And it's, it's, it's some of the best and most tragic acting I've seen in, in a movie all of last year and, and in recent memory even. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, and it's so, it's just heartbreaking. And, and to see it, see this movie tackle such a, 
such a tough subject so so well is it, it was just it, like it doesn't like i said it's it's kind of it's kind of dry and it's it's a procedural and everything but there are moments of almost almost faux tension not really faux tension that's that's kind of a that's that that sounds a little diminutive of it but um there's moments where where you feel like a tension in 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 your chest when you're watching it um that it it just carries through throughout pretty much the rest of it and there's there's just big bombs dropped that are just it it's it's hard to really talk about i mean when tiny was talking about uh, his feelings on it i was just thinking back to um the last shot of the movie like the last scene, the way that this movie ends, I'm not going to spoil it or anything, but just like, like as Tiny was talking about it and as I was replaying that scene in my memory, like I was getting chills and like, like I started to like tear up a little bit like that. It's such an emotionally affecting movie and it says, and, and it shines a light. Sorry for that again. Um, on just such a horrendous thing. And it does a great job of basically not only it doesn't fully it's not that it it's not that it fully villainizes the church but it it turns the catholic church into a basically a criminal organization um and it's so it it's spelled out so clearly and it's so infuriating that that it's that this happened and that it it would continue to happen and it uh, the reaction to it happening is not the reaction of of dis- like just just stopping it basically, and it's the way that all of this all of this truth comes out in the movie is is so just beautiful. The way that it's the way that it's delivered to us in mm-hmm. in the most just ah it, it it's it's something that's going to stick with me for a long time. Yeah, and uh, tiny reference the. Uh, the timing of it as well. And there's like, I'm aware of it being like, it's established that this is like the time that it's taking place in is established early on in the movie. And the whole, the whole time I'm having this mental, like kind of ticking clock of like, what's going to happen when, when nine 11 happens in the story and mm-hmm. the way that it's handled is just, it's, it's, it's really, there's a scene where they're watching TV after, um, it may have been on 9-11 or after it or immediately after 9-11, but there, there's a scene where they're watching a TV and one of the, the figures that they're investigating is, is speaking. And it's just in that moment, it's like, it's just, this movie elicits just feelings of just an incredible anger. <laughs> and, and it's, it's something that, like I said, it's, it's going to stick with me for a while and I'm going to see it again probably several times, uh, because it's, it's, it's just that important of a film and um, it's something that just resonated with me on in, in a really, really, really big way. Um, yeah. And I, I do want to point out Michael Keaton's performance is it, like all the performances are great, but Michael Keaton is, is really great at playing this. Um, there are moments where he's talking to someone and he, it, the moments where he's being a, being a journalist and getting the information from people is just so engaging and it's it's something that i i really loved about it yeah um yeah so that's my number one movie that's spotlight and uh okay so do you guys want to quickly run through our worst movies because we're running we can't we gotta do it quick because this is getting long and long and long fellow it is it is so why don't we each just go through our worst and mike you can start or and then we'll just kind of go through and speak briefly about each one and then and then 
be done. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be super quick. And you know, the thing is they don't deserve a whole lot of words. Right. Right. Um, yeah. my worst movie of the year and possibly one of the worst movies of all time is Paul Blart mall cop Two. <laughs> Everybody involved should be embarrassed and ashamed of that movie. It was, it was frustrating. Um, and just horrendous, really a horrendous experience of a movie. Uh, number two is the gallows. Um, and the problem with that is I, I, I believe that for a good horror movie to be at least passable, for a passable horror movie, it needs one of three ingredients. Good scares, a comprehensible plot, or competent acting. And the gallows had none of those. Really, it takes one for me to slightly enjoy it. The gallows had none. So unbelievably frustrating uh, because it was it was just call it a shameless product of the teen machine because I know a mm-hmm. lot of teenagers liked it. Um, Seventh Son, I think I'm crapping on that a little worse than maybe it really deserves, but I, I think it's just backlash of like movies like this kept being made, but Jupiter Ascending failed, and that's like all we'll get of that type mm-hmm. of thing. And Seventh Son was just stupid, and Jeff Bridges is hamming it up, and I can't tell if he hates the movie or is actually having a good time. <laughs> the Lazarus, Lazarus effect uh, is when I started to not really like Donald Glover all that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, decent cast, really, really super, super boring movie. Um, the big thing for me, though, is that they showed the death of a main character. Uh, I'll just say it. It showed Donald Glover's death in the trailer, um, and that's that's unforgivable mm-hmm. to me. That's, that's, you can't do that. And the last one is uh, Insidious three it's a it's a series that is just long in the tooth um and this one was really particularly boring so um i see a lot of bad a lot of poorly made movies but but for me especially i see movies kind of a lot of late at night movies uh and so i think the worst thing you can do for me to end up on my worst list is be boring and so i saw a lot of boring movies wow Oh, nice. Cool. Or not nice, but you know. Um, not, not nice at all. Yeah. yeah. I do want to mention before Tiny does his real, really quickly, this was like the first time ever that I hadn't seen a single one of your worst movies and I'd seen every single one of your best movies. <laughs> so I thought that was unique in terms yeah, of how we made I don't know it. what that says. Yeah. I don't know what it says either, but uh, Tiny, your worst of the year. Yeah, I have four. Um, the first one we talked about in episode 109, Poltergeist, the new one. Uh, just a completely unnecessary movie. It had nothing that made the original awesome, and it didn't add anything either. It was just just a wash of a movie, just terrible. Um, up next, Hot Pursuit. Uh, <laughs> you may remember it. It was Reese Witherspoon and Sofia Vergara comedy that was really terrible. I think they're both pretty solid actresses, especially Reese Witherspoon. Um, they had nothing to work with in this movie. Uh, it was not even slightly funny. I chuckled a few times, I think. Just an awful, awful movie. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey, we talked about. Um, I think both of us talked about it. Uh, pretty funny. I, I was entertained <laughs> by it, but just, just a disingenuous movie and really stupid. Um, <clears throat> there, there is a legitimate, um, uh, dominant and submissive community out there and it's a part mm-hmm. of their lives and it's a real thing and it means a lot to people and from what I understand this movie completely trivializes it and, and is not a proper representation of it at all um, not that I'm up in arms for the S&M community <laughs> or anything but uh, it's it, it's important to people and it's kind of it sucks that something 
like that, like this can be so popular and so wrong at the same time. Mm. Um, and then uh, my top worst movie of the year is Pompeii. <laughs> um, Kiefer Sutherland was so unbelievably miscast in this movie. He's in that movie. He plays like a posh, oh. like a posh aristocratic oh. aristocratic congressman <laughs> who becomes the in, in obviously in ancient mm-hmm. Rome, uh, and he he becomes like the villain of the movie. He uses this. I guess you call it an accent. It's <laughs> so bad. It's just so Ooh. bad. He's terrible in this movie. Um, and it was just a, a really dumb. It, it was like just a dumb, a dumb side story that took place during Pompeii, uh, and did, did very little, very little to represent the uh, importance of that event in human history. Um, just, just a terrible movie, and I, I it was appalling. It never should have been made. I, I don't understand uh, why. Hollywood is still giving Paul W.S. Anderson money to make movies. He's done the uh, Resident Evil right. franchise and some other ones. Uh, he he just doesn't care about anything except people flying through the air and hurting each other. <laughs> He's It's awful. A terrible movie. Jeez. So those are the four that I thought were notable this year. Okay. Uh, so here are my quick 10 worst movies of 2015. Uh, coming in at number 10 is We Are Your Friends, uh, which I talked about on episode 128, and I was also a guest on the Film Schlubs podcast talking about it. Um, you know, it's, it's a pretty inoffensive movie. It's not, it's not like the worst movie uh, of the whole year, but it was just basically a Zach Efron EDM movie where he basically uh, has a group of friends, none of them are likable, and they telegraph the outcome of of some of the character arcs way way too heavily and it just took took i got really nothing um nothing character wise or um story wise out of the movie and it's it's just you know a movie that i saw and it was just kind of just not good um number nine is (laughs) uh hot tub time machine 2 i i really like the first one i i really do but the second one is just like, it's like they crammed in as many stupid dick and fart jokes as they could. And it's just none of them landed. And the, uh, the story just, it, I was just ready for it to be over with. And it, uh, it was, it was just horrible. I, I did not like it. Uh, number eight is vacation. The, uh, reboot sequel, legacy sequel, um, uh, of the uh, vacation franchise. Yeah. It's still a legacy. You what? You still haven't seen it? I guess that is technically a Lego sequel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it kind of is, basically. Um, I talked about it in episode 122. I also wrote a review on the website for it, but, um, it's, it's just, it's just not good. Um, uh, there's, there's a part where they stop and they, uh, see Audrey and her husband, played by, uh, Chris Hemsworth. And probably the, the funniest thing, the most memorably funny thing is that Chris Hemsworth keeps, keeps using um um kind of a a turn of phrase that always always comes back to talking about a faucet like he's saying like oh man that thing leaked like a faucet or something <laughs> and then he says it like numerous times in different contexts with different usages of faucet and like that i i thought was legitimately funny and, and that stuck with me throughout the throughout the several months since i've seen it but other than that nothing else is really of import uh, of uh, of noteworthiness in vacation and it was just it just it didn't land with me and it's kind of an affront to the Griswold name basically um number 7 so it's the european vacation oh well, sure <laughs> uh 
number seven is the leisure class it's uh an episode that we reviewed or a movie that we reviewed in episode 139 it's the movie that project Greenlight created um just not it's it's not really that funny it's it's even with the context of project Greenlight, it's a very very forgettable movie so i'm not going to comment on it that much um uh, number five, number six, I'm sorry, is Poltergeist. Uh, it, it, we talked about it in episodes 109 and 122, uh, 109 with, with Robert Feckus. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's just, like Tiny said, it's just, it doesn't have anything that's, uh, made the, made the original great. And it, and it takes, it's, it's like Poltergeist, what made Poltergeist so great in, in, in its original form transplant like they tried to transplant that into the current trend of haunted house movies basically and and it just didn't it was ineffectual and and as much as i like jared harris i think that he was a big detriment to the movie as well um and it it was just not good um let's see next is number five uh jupiter ascending uh we talked about in episodes 97 and 122 didn't like it. Uh, felt like there was a lot of jumps in the plot. Um, like, like it seemed like uh, Mila Kunis was just along for the ride very quickly, and everything just kind of goes through. It, it just, it just didn't feel complete. And, and that's speaking to uh, what Mike said about it being um, originally envisioned as like a multi-movie thing and uh, constrict, uh, constricted to to one movie. So it's, but but it still didn't feel. It just didn't feel it. It just left me wanting a lot, um, and also they had the big extended sequence of them her getting her. Basically, I think uh, Fekus in episode ninety seven referred to it as a uh, um, the BMV in space sequence. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just awful. That was funny. Um, yeah. So number four is Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, Talked about in episode one eighteen. It's uh, it's Fifty Shades of Grey. It was uh, it was very, very forgettable. Horrible acting. Horrible dialogue. How like the storytelling was just terrible, and uh, it was just boring. It was uh, I've heard people talk about it as being <laughs> just people talking about signing a contract for two hours, um, and that's basically what it was. And but I do give it some credit for having um a character who in, in, uh, Anastasia steel, I remember that, um, <laughs> having her be, you know, kind of standing up to, to the demands that Christian gray, uh, is making. I, I appreciated that, but there's, there's not much else to appreciate in this movie. It's awful. Uh, number three is the visit, uh, which I talked about in episode one thirty, the new M night Shyamalan movie. And it's just, it's a mess. He, he doesn't, he doesn't he can't he can't handle um having comedy in his movies and the comedy he has doesn't land and then it's so much like a, the blend of comedy and and horror is just i it was a mess i i hated it so much um and uh and it ends in a way like the emotional and physical and um the emotional and physical and dramatic climax for one character in particular had me laughing out loud without regard for the audience that I was seeing it with. And that says a lot about me because I hate disrupting anyone's viewing experience, but I was like, I couldn't contain myself. I kept laughing at it. Basically M night Shyamalan just, it was M night Shyamalan. The visit is M night Shyamalan shoving shit in your face. Um, <laughs> and I think that I'll credit Pat with saying that on the nerds you're looking for, but um, yeah, 
Uh, number two is Pixels. Adam Sandler and his friends sucked. Not going to comment on it. We talked about Adam Sandler way too much uh, <laughs> on this podcast. And finally, the number one worst movie of the year. We talked about it, or I talked about it in episodes. Uh, well, we we discussed it before it came out in episode 94, uh, which was a bonus episode with... Uh, um, uh, Dustin, actually. Um, and then we also, I also talked about it briefly in episode 122. It's Fantastic Four. And, uh, it was horrible. It was absolutely terrible. Uh, it wasn't even a complete movie. It didn't feel like a complete movie. Um, and, and I, it had a troubled production and everything like that. But I can't imagine that the problems on set, like any other movie that was actually like a passable movie, wouldn't have had that, it wouldn't have been that bad with twice as much trouble behind the scenes as, as Fantastic Four had. That's how bad the movie was and how bad I assume the movie was to begin with. Um, it's just irredeemably bad. And I'm so glad that Michael B. Jordan had Creed to, uh, you know, survive this year. (laughs) Um, yeah. So that's my worst movies of 2015 and that's our year in review episode. Um, we went really long and thank you guys for sticking it out with me. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Worth it for the listeners. Totally. All right. Well, next week, I think me and Tiny are going to review Making a Murderer. And then, yeah. Mike, at some point, we should totally talk about Star Wars The Force Awakens, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah. We'll talk off the air. And, uh, yeah, that's that about does it for us, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. And I hope we have a good 2016. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening, guys. Nice talking to you guys. Yep. Uh, a yes. most violent year actually um but yeah uh it, it's ex machina is just everything that i want in a science fiction movie it's contemplative it takes it's uh it takes a real approach to a, a surreal or or very imaginative premise and it just populates it in the, in this world with these characters that are extremely intelligent <sighs> that are extremely intelligent <laughs> Hang on, Mike. We're going to check the recording real quick. Pizza okay. keeps messing with the cord. Sorry. Okay. So Ex Machina does what, uh, what I want out of science fiction. It's Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at IamMikeWhite. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. 
You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.